Hey guys, this is Frank Ogle, writer of Dead End Kids and No Heroin. You recently heard me on the show to talk about my new book, Dead End Kids, The Suburban Job. Dead End Kids, The Suburban Job follows three former friends who have all been deeply affected by the events of September 11th as they struggle alone to cope with the long-term effects of that tragic day and what happens to them when they find a bag of cash stolen from a local drug kingpin. I just wanted to drop by and remind you guys that Dead End Kids, The Suburban Job is currently up for pre-order. For those of you who haven't checked out the original Dead End Kids, The Suburban Job is a fresh start, a new cast and a new place with a new crime. For those of you who love the original series, we've got the entire creative team back together again to bring you more of what you loved the first time around. But whether you're a new or returning reader, I think you'll really dig the new series. If you want to check out Dead End Kids' The Suburban Job, be sure to get your pre-orders in at your local comic shop by December 4th. Everybody, to we have issues geek network show that's about everything literary books comic books manga web comics newspapers magazines everything else you might be reading we're going to talk about them this week as always i am your host keith and i'm joined by my starward sidekick who's always at my side host way hello last week i said it was a light week but quality week of comics well, this week was an overwhelming week of comics, of quality shit, too, because, oh my god, I can't wait to talk about everything. Yeah, I hear you. It's, it's going to be it's gonna be a fun episode. So, those of you might notice that Liz is not with us this week. Uh, for those who don't know, Liz is taking a class, and so it's kind of hard for her to come on. That's why she's only doing every other week anyways. Uh, but she's having a really rough week with that, so uh, she, she'll be on again uh, later on, and we'll talk about our mutual read then, which I know Josue really wants to talk about. <laughs> I have opinions. Uh, don't get me wrong. I really did love it. I know I said I hated it, but it's like in that love-hate way, uh, yeah. but god damn it, do I have opinions after after all of these, after this whole run, I, I won't spoil this because it's more of the mutual reads, but very much I can say this, that after this whole run that we read, I have opinions <laughs> on this one yeah. character. Um, I I don't want to you know get too much into it, but I will ask you that first episode back from or first issue back from House of M. Was I right in saying it was an incredible issue? Oh, dude, like yes, like fuck yes, in in the sense where like no, don't get me wrong, I really did love the feel, the like honestly ex- exper- experimenting with all these new characters and vibing in the school. Yeah, but holy shit, coming back and like it's almost obviously because uh, House of M. But holy shit, like it just had this vibe where we were just back in Marvel. Like it just had this tone where like, mm-hmm. it was like, like when I, when, when you asked us, you asked us to read uh, the fucking uh, multiple man. Um, Mad Rocks, yeah. Yeah. That, that mini series. And I, I, I said, I felt like just like old school vibe of like that, that Marvel, that Marvel tone. Yeah. It was just so dark. And it was just like, everybody just coming, just like hitting this reality. It was such a great first issue. Yeah, I love it. It's one, like I said, it's one of my favorite issues of comics ever. So it we'll definitely really, talk about yeah. that again. <laughs> yeah, honestly, it, it struck a chord with me too, where it was like it was up there for me. I was like, holy shit, I should have read this forever ago. Plus, because they're dealing with House of M, right? Yeah. So the whole issue, you're dealing with like people being like, like completely obliterated by House of M, like they're they're emotionally destroyed. It's like a bomb went off, you know, and so you're dealing with that. But then at the end, you get another shocker. 
and it, like that last page when Jay shows up, which yeah. we won't get into. No, no, I yeah, was, no. It's I remember reading good. that the first time and being like, "What?" Like I remember just getting really upset. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so we're gonna talk about some quick uh, headlines. Um, so uh, we got an announcement uh, about a new book coming out from Image, uh, and it's being created by Tony Fleece and Trish Forstner. Um, who are actually uh, My Little Pony cr- uh, collaborators. They they did, uh, I believe, the Friendship is Magic comic, I want to nice. say. Okay. Um, but they're making a new move, a new book from Image, and it's going to be... An, <laughs> this is going to be some words I don't think anyone's ever spoken out loud before on the planet. It's going to be a Don Bluth-inspired horror comic book. Huh. Yeah. So, Interesting. It will blend the aesthetic of classic anime movies like Lady and the Tramp with, quote, the sadistic fun of Silence of the Lambs. And then to put, yes, really. <laughs> so. And you didn't want to read Ludocrats? <laughs> well, this, Ludocrats was just that dude's dick everywhere. Uh, yes. So, <laughs> um, no, this, this sounds very cool. The summary of it is, it's scary being the new dog. Sophie can't remember what happened. She doesn't know how she ended up in this house. She doesn't recognize any of these other dogs. She knows something terrible happened, but she just can't recall. Wait, where's her lady? So, yeah. Yeah, and I'm into it. <laughs> and the animation's cool. Uh, we have a, a, a Thomas put up a story about it on the Geek Network Facebook, so... Uh, the next thing is uh, Marvel's been doing a lot of podcasts lately um, in character. They did a really cool Wolverine one where um, Richard Armitage, I believe, who plays Thor and Oakenshield in The Hobbit, uh, where he played Wolverine. And he should be Wolverine after hearing him do the, the voice. It's really great. So um, They're doing a new one called Marvel's Wastelanders. Um, so it is going to focus on the timeline where Marvel's villains are all united, killed most of the heroes, and it's, it's basically Old Man Logan. The Old Man Logan waste? Okay. Yeah. yeah. So uh, characters uh, like Old Man Logan, Star-Lord, Grey Widow, Hawkeye, etc. So, mm. But they're going to do a, uh, a story podcast of it, which sounds really cool. I don't think they've cast anybody for it yet. So, uh, But that'd be really cool. I'm, I'm down with that. So, um, Next up... Uh, we have been getting a lot more information now of Avengers Enter the Phoenix. Have you seen any of this yet? I've just been uh, just seeing the variants that they've been doing. Is it going to be like an event thing? Yeah. It's going to be kind of like Age of Conchu was, where it's going to take place entirely in the Avengers book, but it's okay. going to be a story. And, um, and it is Jason Aaron and Javier Caron. So, you know. Uh, and it's uh, basically what's going to happen with the Phoenix Force at this point. Um, and there's been a lot of pictures of Black uh, Panther as the Phoenix is what I've been seeing. So that'd be pretty dope. <laughs> so yeah, Black Panther Phoenix shit. Um, I want to see Namor again with the Phoenix since he's kind of just like the almost like the I don't know like an an embassy an, an ambassador just going back and forth. But Namor just does yeah. whatever he wants, and I think he's running <laughs> over there. So getting that shit again would be cool. Yeah, definitely. Uh, next thing. Uh. Do you know Black Hammer, the comic? I've seen it, but I don't really, I'm not really familiar with it. I've never read it. Well, get ready to be into Black Hammer. <laughs> okay. Dark Horse publishes Black Hammer, and uh, they revealed that they're going to do an anthology story that where each issue focuses on a different member of the of the superhero universe and Black Hammer, uh, created by Jeff Lemire, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
at least the first issue is going to be written by Patton Oswalt. <laughs> no shit. That's cool. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, I'm very excited about this. Uh, I've read some Black Hammer. I'm, I haven't read everything. I'm not super caught up on it, but I've enjoyed what I've read. And Patton Oswalt's probably my favorite person on the planet. So, And he's an actual nerd. So it's like this one was like, oh, he's just a celebrity coming into comics. Like, no, he'll probably know his shit and know how to probably write it. To which my next question, has he ever written another comic? Not that I can think of. Okay. But this is like super obscure. So like, are these like not one of the big two to come into and just like have fun with? That's super dope. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah. He's a super nerd and I love that about him. Um, he, he like on new comic book day, a lot of times he'll put what he picked up and stuff like, just like us. So I think that's really kind of cool. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Um, and I'm curious to see who else they're going to get. Cause it's going to be an eight issue mini. And he is, uh, he's only writing the first one. So they might get someone else. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So, all right. Um, now I don't know if you were a fan oh, uh, of a little man named Jeff Johns. <laughs> yes. Uh, just, just <laughs> arguably to say the best thing about DC comic books. When he can actually complete his work on time <laughs> like that's hey, when i like hey, him. hey hey he gave us the green lantern stuff all that good green lantern shit <laughs> right when he was like coming up so he had to be on time but then it's like oh i'm the next best thing on dc like fuck marvel and it's like i'm just gonna i don't really know what i'm doing i'm just gonna take my time and just see what happens and it's like oh fuck you jeff johns <laughs> but yeah sure i'm a fan of him okay i like his work i like when he did marvel for like a second if he come back and maybe like Get off his pompous ass chair. Yeah, like we they got Bendis. Let's get Jeff Johns again. Give him annihilation. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Jeff Johns and Gary Frank, who have worked together on Batman Earth One, which was really good for the record, and Doomsday Clock, which was not good, uh, are, are taking their show on the road. Uh, they're going to make a book for Image Comics. Oh no shit! That's cool. Like this, yeah. Yeah, I'm excited for that shit. Like finally coming out of like out of that house because mm-hmm. like a bunch of Marvel writers do their own image books, and honestly, that's what kind of makes them great. And that's why Marvel kind of gets them from that from from that and locks them down with contracts. So it's cool to see Jeff Johns kind of come out. Yeah. See, here's the thing. He um, he had a, an imprint with DC called Killing Zone that was his, mm-hmm. and it was kind of like the old Marvel one. Was it Icon, where it was creator okay. own books that Marvel would publish for them. Okay, yeah. And so that's what they did. They gave him his own imprint, and then DC cut it in part of the layoffs and cutbacks. Uh-huh. So people think are saying this book is probably a book he developed in Killing Zone, and because DC took it away, he's just going to put it in Image instead, which is great. Nice. Um, Dope. Yeah, so the book is called Geiger. And oh, okay. Yeah, and he cited. There's not. We don't know too much about it, except that it is set on a post-apocalyptic Earth. Uh-huh. Uh huh. However, he cited the two biggest inspirations for him were Spawn and Savage Dragon. Ooh, and, and that really that, that makes me happy. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think I well, not so much. I mean, like the design of the book, we're not sure. But he definitely said that's like why he wanted to go to image. And if you think about it, those books have been going on so long yeah. that maybe he's thinking of a long-term thing. You know what I mean? Maybe he doesn't want to, I mean, maybe I don't want to like, do. I don't want to crap on DC too much. You know what I mean? But maybe yeah. he's ready to move on to something new, I guess is the way to put it. So yeah, for sure. So the summary they sent us of Geiger says 
Who are the scavengers of a dying Earth? Geiger is set in the years since a nuclear war ravages the planet. Desperate outlaws battle for survival in a world of radioactive chaos. Out past the poison wasteland lives a man even the Nightcrawlers, capitalized, and organ people, capitalized, fear. Some name him Jim Glow, others name him the Meltdown Man, but his name is Geiger. So it's going to be like a radioactive dude, which I'm totally down with. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'll give it a shot. I mean... It's an image book. I usually give most image books a shot. So you too. Oh, sure. <laughs> so, um, all right. So uh, we can go ahead and talk a bit more about uh, future state. We're getting some more information about the um, the Justice League from then. Uh, we got another cover, and it kind of like um, gave us a little bit more detail about different people. So we can go ahead and and confirm Superman is John Kent. Uh, which is cool. Uh, the Green Lantern, we can confirm, is Joe from Far Sector. That's dope. Okay, cool. Yeah. yeah. And Aquaman is Andy Curry. So it is their daughter, I believe. Oh, nice. And they did confirm the uh, the Wonder Woman that they're making the CW show about is the Wonder Woman from this book, Yara Floor, the Brazilian one. Ah, that's so fucking cool. Yeah. I think and, who, who I'm, like, I'm most excited for, like the Wonder Woman of the future. Uh, I think I might most be excited for the new Flash because, to be honest, when I fall into a DC hole, like a true DC hole, I usually default with Flash. Mm-hmm. Um, that's usually my favorite. And uh, we got a new non-binary fashion of Flash named Jess Chambers, which yeah, is cool. More diversity. That's cool. Mm-hmm. The only thing is we don't know who Batman is yet. And if it's not Damian Wayne, then they don't know what they're doing. <laughs> like, oh, it's, it's that solid suit, right? You can't even see like the mouth part. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, so so we did get that all, but confirmed that entire roster. So that's really good. Um, and beyond, be cool. <laughs> Terry, uh, I don't think they want to combine the universes. You know what I mean? What if yeah. it's a robot? What if it's basically Doombot, but it's oh Batman? God. I mean, the the start of like his little army in Kingdom Come. Yep, exactly. The first Batbot. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, and the last thing I want to bring up is a very brief bit about what's going on in the Power Rangers comic book. Oh, nice. So um, the Omega Rangers are um, it's during the Lord Dracon stuff, basically. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a big change with the Omega Rangers and Zordon. So uh, basically it's um, let me pull it up here. Um Basically, so like Zordon, and he uh, basically he's like um, he 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 doesn't trust Dracon. Uh, if you know anything about like Power Ranger lore, there's a good reason for that. Um, <laughs> yes, but he basically is like so. Basically, they're trying to figure out like they need Dracon for the thing they're doing right now. I'm not gonna get too deep into that because it's a lot. Um, there's been a lot. <laughs> yeah, but basically, um, Dracon is now an ally of theirs of the power rangers in this from what i can see it's a cool suit and like kind of different from before but yeah it's like there, there's a cool like kind of black power armor suit that's not the black ranger but still kind of like the green ranger suit it's, yeah it looks really, it looks really, really dope <laughs> yeah so I'm not super caught up in Power Rangers. I keep up with like the big happenings, but I don't know the full context of exactly how much that means. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I can look at the art. I'm seeing the art here, 
and i mean i'm fighting getting into these fucking comics you know what i mean like like they're right there (laughs) yeah it's it's been a long time for me to catch up and i've only just like slowly just been not catching up but only getting the the gonya mendes uh, helmet covers the foil covers because yeah. yeah, yeah. they're so fucking cool anyone that are just in relation to the green ranger or something with the power armor i need to fucking get it <laughs> or the black ranger for sure yeah. the black ranger is like number one uh yeah they're fucking awesome but i need to collect them all so i can actually make sense of it all because again a lot's happened and to explain it all it's, it doesn't make sense now <laughs> without doing so much context yeah if they had any kind of service like marvel unlimited i would go back and read them all but it would be getting oh, my sure. hand on them that would be a pain you know what i mean so that'd be really cool because like what from boom yeah yeah in that library how great would it be and this is just like spitball and first of all idw is allied with marvel in a way so mm. why doesn't IDW work out a way to be on Marvel Unlimited? Just throwing that out there. And then secondly, how great would it be if three companies like, say, Boom, IDW, and Image, like, share a, a service together? You know what I mean? Like, work together, all contribute to it, but have like a have like a, a online service of digital comics. That would be so cool. So... I think in the way that wouldn't really hinder like physical copies. Like, like there's that argument or like when digital comics are ruining the industry and it's like, not necessarily it's people not collecting their boxes that are ruining the industry exactly. first and foremost, but a service like this would just be a giant push to be like, okay, I sure I read all of this on here. Thank you. But now if it's that good, there's a lot of people that are, are going to want to own it physically or going to be like, Hey, I should gift it, gift this to someone. I should go buy it for somebody because they're probably not going to want this whole service, you know? Yeah. I, 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 something like this wouldn't really hurt the industry. If anything, it'd probably help. Yeah, exactly. Because um, if you think like, oh, I remember that comic I really liked. I wish I could read that again. Yes. Like you don't go, you don't run to the comic book store to see if they have a copy. You pull it up online. And then what that does is that makes you want to read more comics. And then you go to the comic book store and buy whatever's out that week. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> It's just, yeah, it's people are just, yeah. Um, that's everything I got news wise. Do you have any news? Uh, no. Cool. Manga. Uh, yes. Maguchan. <laughs> Maguchan got fat. <laughs> <laughs> Behold my soul in bulk. <laughs> like, so Maguchan just gained a whole bunch of weight. And he and, loves it. Like, and he has no problem it. with it. <laughs> I like that he has a positive body image. You know what I mean? Like that's cool. For sure. <laughs> so, um, he gains weight, and the main character is worried that she's gaining weight too, and because she did, she did gain weight technically. Uh, she gained like two pounds, or she only lost two pounds, or something like that. Um, so she's like, "We need to get in shape." And I like how a lot of times the the storylines, they're both kind of going through a similar thing. You know what I mean? So they can like, oh, yeah. We can see how they each handle it differently. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah. Uh, and then Nepotaku, of course. Get... <laughs> <laughs> I love the guy. Like, he got just as fat or just as chubby. and just has to work it out, too. <laughs> yeah, it's so great. Yeah, I knew but... that fucking little toaster, the little oven would be a problem. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, basically, they're all getting fat. That's <laughs> the story. And, um... They have a little battle. It is cute. There's not too much to the. I mean, it's it's Maguchan. It's not like we're decoding Shakespeare, but it's fantastic. Um, <laughs> so um, in the end, Maguchan loses all his weight because he used this blaster power, and ended up quote, depleting his flesh. And 
Yeah, and he's just like I, I, I like that. Um, in the end, uh, she's like she put him on her head, and she's like, "Now that you're nice and small, you can ride on my head again." And he like pauses, and I'm like, "Is that him thinking it is worth it to be small to be on your head?" You know what I mean? Like, oh, totally. He did. He did think about it, like, so oh cute. shit, so I cute. Did. <laughs> he's like I, I did th- i think he did think about that too like i definitely prefer this because he is super selfish over the walking with the bulk and just like behold me <laughs> <laughs> he's just gonna be a little shit like that no yeah. this is gonna be super fucking funny when just like when naputago just takes the energy drink and when he just like <laughs> when he just bolts up at god i love this Great. shit so much for how like mundane and how and how ex- over the top it takes it and then just, but you just bring it back to reality and it's just like god these two little fucking things <laughs> yeah totally um we never learn uh they the girl he's currently dating uh or they're not dating she she doesn't want to date him but she's interested in him and she's all torn about it he actually hangs out with her little sister and he th- uh, she thinks oh he's gonna date my little sister but then finds out he's just trying to find out things about her from the little sister and um, it, it was cute. It was just like romantic comedy slick, you know. So, uh, and then before we move on to my hero, which I know you really want to. Oh yes. <laughs> uh, I read some more food force. <laughs> oh sweet, I, I have a problem. Okay. <laughs> like, all right, all right, Keith, sex me up with food. I am on v- chapter two hundred and sixty-five of food force. <laughs> Jesus. It started two weeks ago. <laughs> like, oh there's only 315 chapters, so I should be done by tonight, probably. <laughs> but, um, I love this manga. <laughs> like, I can't, how do I put this? Okay. There's, including My Hero Academia, I don't think there is a better ensemble cast in manga. Oh, really? Because, like, there's people in My Hero I don't like. There's no right. one in Food Wars I don't like. Except, oh, for except for the people I'm not supposed to like. Like, the bad guy. And it's... I said before, it's every, like, shonen action manga ever. But every fight is replaced with cooking food. And it's hilarious. It just gets funnier and funnier. And there's lore. <laughs> like, there's this ridiculous lore to the world. Where, like, this one family, when they taste something delicious, they have this thing that happens to them called the disrobing, where their clothes pop off. And it's the dean of the school is a member, and he always wears this robe, and he wears, like, pants underneath and stuff. But every time he eats something delicious, his robe just falls off, and he's all buff and stuff. And so that's how they know he really liked his. Like, oh, it's the disrobing. Well, apparently it goes through the family. And the family, they each manifest in a different way. And uh, one or his son uh, gives the illusion that his clothes disappear, but then they come back. And then his son-in-law, because yes, you get this power when you marry into the family. <laughs> his power is that uh, when you taste something delicious, it takes the clothes off everybody around him. And the more people, the more delicious it is. <laughs> it's just, it's fucking ridiculous, but I love it so much. There's one character. Um, his whole thing is that he, um, in competitive cooking, when he finds out he's going to compete against you, he stalks you and you never see him, but he learns everything he can about you. 
And then um, he even does like some like method acting where he pretends to be you in his kitchen and stuff. And he says your catchphrases and dresses like you. And then when you actually compete, he he's no know, he knows you so well. It's called a perfect trace that he uh, knows exactly what you're going to cook and what you're going to put in it. And then he makes the exact same thing you are, but with one slight improvement so that it's better. <laughs> like, it's just, it's absolutely ludicrous. Dick. It's such a great book. <laughs> and it's full of tons of inappropriate sexual, like, poses and stuff. But it's done in a really tongue-in-cheek way. Because it's literally, like, first of all, they're equal opportunity offenders for men and women, which is amazing. And so, like, if you see two naked buff men flying on angels' wings because the food they ate make them feel so light, and just like, that, like it's just, it's just wonderful. And it does have a very action uh, anime um, overall plot too. In that there's the the big bad guy who has his group of bad guys and they're taking over and only the resistance can stop them. It's just it's cooking. It's about cooking. Like, and I've learned like two or three recipes that I'm gonna in- integrate into my own cooking, so I'm very excited. Um, but I can't recommend this enough. I'm gonna watch the anime definitely. So nice. <laughs> so that's Food Wars. Um, finally. We come to uh, My Hero Academia. Vigilantes? Did we get a Vigilante? Oh, we did. Yes. Thank you. That's a quick one. I totally forgot. Yeah, Vigilantes. Uh, so what do you think? I mean, it opens up with my new lock screen, <laughs> uh, Mirko, and uh, super dope. I fucking love her mask. Like, she's a fucking luchadora, and uh, I love Mirko so much. <laughs> Kick power. It makes, it makes, yeah, every time I open up, because like, I've been having, I still had that that tokoyami like in his like hero suit i really hope this is hero suit that fucking whole like headdress like um gear was mm-hmm. so dope for the longest time and now i have uh, the next best thing it's just my girl Mirko again so anyway <laughs> she's just tearing it up like it became it was like this like fight club a one-on-one and she just interrupts yeah she calls all the motherfuckers out all against one and fucking kick power to every single one of those fucking douchebags she kicks ass oh my god and the whole time we have uh o'clock now like doing his espionage mm-hmm. oh god okay like about, at that point it starts like taking out like okay let's, let's come back to the story I, I was honestly having so much fun with with mirko i kind of wanted to just like make a, a segue into just like let's just like follow her until we catch up with my hero <laughs> i kind of just wanted to forget the whole thing about like how she what, what was her name pop yeah, whatever was like. Yeah, step. yeah, pop step. Thank you. I you completely forgot about pop step. The whole pop thing step. about her is like, yes, let's just follow her. Like it's like, it like record scratch. Let's come back to reality and like espionage and shit. I love that he has um, well he picks her up like that's which is cool. Uh, and he has his little posse with fucking rapper. <laughs> I love the I love the two the two shots of punch power, kick power. It's yeah. like yeah, they're great. to their own c- code, and it's like, well, kicking power is for girls. Like, well, I am a girl, so fuck you, dude. <laughs> uh, uh, God, fuck you, T Dog. No, God. Uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway. Uh, okay, but no, we're gonna explain it. <laughs> hey, um, okay, God, no, stop we have, talking. We have to explain it, uh, guys. So, um, our group chat just popped up. <laughs> And apparently the band Taco Sauce is broken up and Josue is devastated. 
I'm fucking cursed, guys. I'm cursed with all the bands I love just coming to an end, and I don't ever get to see them flourish to their absolute potential that I just... This is all these gold nuggets, palms from Tempe, later love palms. Uh, God damn it. This one hurts a lot. Like fucking happy happy times, sad times, priests. There's so much good shit that's just lost now. And (laughs) I hope nothing but the best for them and just with their, all their coming projects. And I've kind of followed them enough to kind of say that I've kind of maybe saw us coming, but um, it just sucks to yeah. when shit like this actually happens. And we will definitely talk about it more on tomorrow's episode of uh, the playlist. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me just get my more of my words together. I we was not ready. We record that after this. So yeah. Uh, god damn it! Oh my god! I'm just gonna meet the fucking chat for like a second. <laughs> well, let's let's change the subject and get to what we really want to talk about, which is my hero academia. I was literally a page away from, like, finishing this fucking chapter. We could have just, like, God, waited a fucking second. Anyway, so it ends at that, and then, like, an obscure uh, character shows up. Um, it talks all weird, undead-like. It could be Shigaraki. I don't know. But that was my hero, uh, Vigilantes. Let's go to my hero. <laughs> <laughs> yes, my hero. <laughs> um, so, Husway, why don't you tell us what happened? Um, basically... Everybody gets fucking canceled. <laughs> Everything gets canceled by Dobby. By Dobby putting his shit out and just like, honestly, fuck it. I'm putting, if you guys want to know my story, here it is. And all the whys on your number one hero and why I'm like this, I guess. If you want to blame him, if you want to blame me, that's up to you. But after this, know that it's, everything is over because it's not just him. There's evidence on Hawks and for basically all the reasons why I hated him that whole time. So, <laughs> I mean, at this point, if I'm believing it, think of the whole fucking crowd that lives there and is watching this and just being devastated. The yeah. ones that actually looked up to him. So, oh man, yeah, no, Dobby just cancels everything. And at the end, and the whole time, he's really in front in front of them. Like, uh, Gigantomachia has, like, frozen solid because Shigaraki is just, like catatonic on the floor uh and yeah at this point he just takes a spotlight remember when we said like if there was no all for one and shigaraki that dobby would probably swoop in as a main bad mm-hmm. he takes a, he takes a spotlight and all of the other followers just are frozen in shock too because they they didn't see the shit coming dobby's too fucking smart and so anyway he's laying it all out for everybody as that's watching because a broadcast got went out but he's literally talking to his brother shoto and his dad endeavor who is frozen actually the, the irony the, the irony of never be like literally frozen uh but in a way where he's not really shocked of just like oh shit my truths are coming out it's more like shocked that he's actually seeing his son again at least like that's the way i saw him and yeah he literally can't move and and, and I, I fucking love that shoto has taken this like more of a rescue approach than instead of being like i'm gonna be like the another number one superhero and being in the front lines I love his whole strategy and like and what kind of a hero he's gonna grow up to be. Anyway, I think Dobby's gonna come down for like a suicide bomb when we re- we reach the cliffhanger. <laughs> and he, I, I'm sorry, yeah, what I, I'm yeah. sorry, what I did to you about this, by the way. What <laughs> about what I did to you? As far as like I put something in your head, 
and now it oh. seems like you're obsessing over it a bit online. <laughs> well, I mean, like it was like I read it, and that was like my first thought. So like, you've had all these days. I need you to convince me that it's not Toga. I think it is um, because they just it, it, just speaking from a storytelling point of view, right? I'm a storyteller. Mm-hmm. Um, they just reminded us like two volume or two chapters ago what Toga's power is, how it works, and that she can you know copy other people's powers. Yeah. They also pointed out that you know they had him; he was tortured and everything. She would have have she would have had access to his blood. And where did she go? Everybody else is there again. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I feel like, I feel like her and Chaco weren't that far. Yeah. My only thing is I don't know how this plays into the to the large story. Like mm-hmm. if their whole thing was to be like, you know, Hawks did this, then why would they show him alive? That feels weird. But other than right. that, other than that, I mean that that makes like a lot of sense to me for that to happen. Uh, maybe for him to maybe it's it's Toga and she's gonna be like you did do that to me, you know, and like worse. And, you know, everybody's going to believe best genius. Cause like popularity wise, he's the most popular of the heroes. Yeah. So that would, if, if you want to steal a hero and help and have somebody, you know, have a hero, hope you turn the others bad. That's the way to do it. You know what I mean? Is is best genius. So yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. It, it was a, it was a cool reveal. It did take my breath away. Where I was like, "Oh shit!" But then yeah, everything just came like back to me. I'm like, "Ah fuck!" Like it could, and it's only because like it's like okay, so why could it be Toga if we're just going the like oh shit, we're going the other way? And it's like and at this point, I don't really have an answer to that, like a specific answer, except for, I mean, what if it is her? What she'll explain. But it's like what she when she left. Or uh, that conversation with or like with Ochako, mm-hmm. it wasn't really like well, it really was like well, it's not really what I wanted to hear. But we we really didn't actually see uh, what her ultimate goal was. Where if it was like well, okay, it wasn't what I wanted to hear, but that just means I'm going to go back to being a bad a bad guy, yeah, uh, like a, a villain. It was, it was it could be like whatever Ochako said wasn't what, exactly what she wanted, but it could have just hit her differently. Where she could just like started having different motives, and. Because, yeah, why interrupt, like, right then and there? You know what's funny is Davi's surprised, too. So, what about this? Well, because, like, he just explained that he was supposed to be dead. Yeah, what if Best Genus, or what if if it is, uh, what if it is Toga, okay? Mm -hmm. And this is her, like, she had the conversation with Gravity, and she had access to it and everything like that. And she she knew she know what the pl- she knows what the plan is. She knows they're basically he's there to destroy heroes, and her whole thing has been like, "What is a hero?" Basically, like, what makes you a yeah. hero? So, what if she realizes that what they're doing is bad, and she turns into Best Genius, who is dead, to ruin the whole plan? Maybe I'm re- reaching too far. I mean, no, I mean, it could work. It's just like, it's like, it's a chocolate. Like we, we lost our actual wild card and now this is our, our new, this is like our backup wild card, which yeah. she already was. So it's like, we don't yeah. know, but it could work. Maybe. It's, it's just like, I'm like, I don't want to, I just don't want to believe that it was actually him. Yeah. It's just like, it would just hurt me too much if it wasn't again. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's pretty good. I'm, I'm, I think the next chapter, I think we're going to have an answer by the next chapter. 
Yeah, for sure. Because somebody who knows what's going on is going to be like, wait a minute, (laughs) you're dead or something (laughs) like so. Yeah. I watched you die, you know, so we'll see. But yeah, pretty good, pretty good issue. We're getting a lot of, uh, a lot of really good drama, which I'm enjoying, so. Yeah. But yeah. I'm uh, really close to, like a, to, to the 300 chapter, so I thought at this point, we got this big reveal, and like we're probably going to get, like I hope 300 will be like a giant fucking thing, too. Yeah, but usually manga doesn't do that. Like, they don't really make those, like, anim- or those mm-hmm. numbers, like, big. They usually do, like, the year, year-end. year uh, The annuals. Like, yeah, things like that, so. We'll see, though. Um, all right, and then that's all the manga I got. Do you got anything else? No. Okay. Uh, I don't got any web comics. Do you? I don't. Okay. The only book I want to mention is Eggshells, the Tokyo Dome book. I'm almost done. I'm on the last chapter. I just couldn't quite finish it last night. Uh, it's been pretty good. I'm getting to. The, uh, I got to the part where I actually started watching Japanese wrestling. So I'm like, oh, I know these things. I remember these. So that was a lot easier. Um, but yeah, it's very good. If you're a pro wrestling fan, you're into like the nerdery of pro wrestling, like knowing the history and stuff. This is. Uh, Pretty much one of the best books I've ever read as far as that goes. Uh, so check it out. Um, and then I also bought the new D&D book, which is really good. Um, I'll probably talk about it more on Respawn. But uh, one thing that's really cool that I wanted to mention is um, how it addresses the fact that in D&D, there's a lot of um, what they call archetypes. And they, they're kind of, I mean, they're archetypes, but they're really stereotypes is what they are. And those are that all drow are evil, all orcs are evil, you know, all dwarves are tough, you know, things like that. And uh, that's kind of a bummer long term, you know what I mean? Like, especially if you're playing and maybe you want to play something different. You want to play a smart orc, you know, or maybe you want to play like an evil dwarf, you know, and it doesn't feel right and everything. So this book actually provides rules as to how to change the existing races to suit what you want to do. So um, it does say basically drow don't necessarily have to be evil. Uh, You know, orcs don't necessarily have to be evil. And then there's even ways in game you can, you can play it differently. So for instance, if you, um, if you want to make like say a dwarf wizard, right? Dwarfs get like plus two to constitution, which isn't the biggest thing for wizards. Uh, They're like, we only provide these stat bonuses as a way of saying, this is the archetype. This is for you to play. But if you're experienced enough and you want to create a character, there's no reason you can't say, well, this dwarf isn't tough, but he's smart. And you can just switch that over to intelligence. So it's literally them giving, you know, giving us permission to change up the rules as long as That's it's not bad. Fun. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So, it, and it's a lot of new rules to promote diversity and stuff. And there's other things like, what if you are, you know, what if you're a a cleric, but you are the cleric for a god who loves music? You know what I mean? It's like, why wouldn't you have perform? You know what I mean? Like, things like that. It's just very much like they adjusted it so that we could, you know, enjoy it how we want to, which I think is a really, really good move for them. And it provides a lot of really cool options. So I'm very excited about it. Um, but I'll get into the specific options uh, next week when I got more time to kind of take some notes and stuff. So. Uh, that moves us on to our comic book collection. Let's do it. Uh, it's a very heavy week, guys. Uh, so, <laughs> as always, we're going to start with our independent books, uh, specifically the ones that we read solo of each other. So, um, first one, 
Uh, Agrit Suko got a new book. Uh, her last book was really, really good. And uh, so I guess it did well enough that they decided to give it a second book. And this one is called Agrit Suko Meets Her Friend or Meet Her Friends. So basically, it's going to be her doing things with each individual side character so they can kind of develop who each of them are and we can find out about them, uh, which has been a lot of fun. Uh, it's the first issue. And the first friend, quote, is her yoga instructor. And uh, if you've ever seen the show, the only word he ever says is protein. Uh, he's a really big buff dude. And basically him and or her and uh, two other characters sit around and come up with ideas of why he's like that. And they're all really ridiculous and like fantasy based. Like he was cursed by a witch and stuff like that. So it's really fun. Um, yeah. So Agrid uh number one, meet her friends is pretty good. It's by Oni press and uh, written by Kat Ferris, illustrated by Lisa Dubois, with coloring by Andrew Dollhouse. So, pretty good. Uh, next up, you don't have Big Girls still, I'm assuming? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Big Girls number four by Jason Howard, published by Image. Uh, Jason did both story and art. Um, it's pretty good. Um, it's, I mean, it's, it's not one of my favorite Image books or anything, but I do pick it up every time, and I'm enjoying it. But it, it is about a bunch of giant women that in a post-apocalyptic world protecting the you know the last humans alive from these giant monsters and it, it there's the whole arc is based around the fact that the monsters can think and are actually you know intelligent creatures they're not just monsters so um they kind of have to adjust their way of thinking about it and it's really interesting i'm enjoying it so uh other than that let's see what else did you get these uh the new assassin's creed book <laughs> no I've, uh, I've only ever played one of them it's pretty good. It's, I mean, it's it's a Viking story. It's just like any other yeah. great Viking story. I love it. So, um, so yeah, I really appreciate that one. I'm not going to give it a full review uh, because it is the second in a series, and we'll get more into that later on. Are you waiting uh, to play this game until you get a, ne- a next-gen console? Yeah, I'm not going to buy any games for the next-gen until I get the next-gen. So. Yeah, I actually forgot that Miles Morales was available for PS4, but I'm like, eh, no, no, I'm going to wait. Yeah, the exact same thing. I was like, I don't want to play like a half-ass version of it. Like, no. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, then my last solo book, I believe, is Commanders in Crisis number two. Uh, you Ooh. guys might, might remember this as the book that is about the superhero team made up entirely of former presidents from alternate universes, uh, which is cool. way more appealing now <laughs> after the election than it was. <laughs> so, um, you find out it's really cool. They were actually all normal people on their planets. Like they weren't superpowered people. Okay. They were just like normal citizens who became president for different reasons. Like, um, my favorite sawbones, the combat medic guy, uh, he became, he was actually a musician beforehand and he became president, uh, like (laughs) in, in like this weird election and stuff. But basically, when their world is being destroyed and you actually get to see one of the worlds in the process of being destroyed in this issue. Um, they were contacted by some higher being that was like, listen, I can only save one person and it's you. So the world you see getting destroyed in this one is, um, is, uh, their Superman analog. And, uh, he is the, he's the one who was the uh, first gay president of his planet planet. Okay. And, um, Basically, they're they're in, he's still the president. Some of them are ex presidents. He was still the president at the time. Okay, 
And so, yeah, his name is Prizefighter. And basically, they're like, we're, we're going to get you out of here because these storms are destroying the planet. And they're like, we're going to get you into a bunker. And he's just like, where's my husband? And then, like, the first the first gentleman is safe, sir, and all this stuff. I was like, oh, that's cool. Nice touch. And then he gets sucked over. Basically, he's the only person who survives this planet. All these planets have only one survivor. And the only planet left is the one they're on now. So that's why they're doing it. And we find out the bit of a murder mystery that I mentioned last week is a guy was killed. And that guy, um, basically, they took the concept of empathy, whoever the bad guy is, that is took the concept of empathy and put it in this guy and then killed him. So they killed <laughs> empathy basically. Yeah. So everybody like, there's a lot of, a lot of uh, direct symbolism with emotions in this book mm-hmm. and I'm really enjoying it. Um, but I love the characters. I love the character that can do anything as long as she can think of the right word to do it. Uh, it's, it's nice. got a way of like, you remember in runaways where it was like for like a couple issues, it was like Nico was like, learning new words yeah yeah it's like that it's like that if you took it to an extreme if you really went somewhere with it that's cool yeah and so she's like at this point this chick is like i need to bring this guy back to life so i can talk to him and ask him questions but uh i don't want to bring everybody back to life you know and i want him to i don't want to come back as a zombie so she's got to have just the right word to do so and it was just kind of cool watching her like figure that out so uh yeah i'm digging it dude it's really good so yeah um but yeah so that's published uh by image as well and creative team is steve orlando as a writer david tinto as the artist and uh i think he does coloring no no francesca carantino there we go does the coloring so yeah Everything else I got, I'm pretty sure we share, but I'll run it down real quick just to make sure. I'm, I'm almost certain you have all these. Um, Engine Ward. Yes. Uh, Devil's Red Bride. Yeah. Die. Yes. Once in future. Of course. Something is killing the children. Oh, God, please. Do you have anything else? Sea uh, of Sorrows? I didn't pick it up. Okay. It was I. I spent... A lot of money. <laughs> I spent a hundred oh, okay. and something dollars at the at the comic book store. <laughs> so yeah, it was a big fucking week. Well, I bought the, the Paper Girl hardback, yeah, uh, yeah. the third one. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So yeah, go ahead and go with CSROs, uh, which I have read. So at least we, you know we we can review it together. But yeah, go ahead and talk about it. Right. So Sea of Sorrows by Rich Duick, Alex Cormack, and letters by Justin Birch. God, we've been sitting on this issue for like since April, <laughs> or the interview wasn't got released in April, so we talked to him probably the week before. So we've been sitting on the ship since March. Yep, and it's finally out. I've been waiting for it because I've only wanted to know more. But at the very least, I can finally hold it in my hands, like to the listeners, like please go out and find this shit because Road of Bones is a great horror. Like very, it's like I love Rich's like horror and then what yeah. he told us he wants to do like this like almost like trilogy set and this is like almost number two there's i love his horror where he just has this claustrophobic feel to it like like which is like honestly one of the easiest way to make somebody actually feel or immerse them immerse somebody into like a scary situation or to actually feel feel fear yeah which is why i'm struggling with, with resident evil 7 but <laughs> in this uh different from road uh road of bones road of bones where that one was just like in the snow and what would you do and how would you survive in the in a whiteout we go into the black void of the abyss and 
oh god i love this issue so much like i'm still kind of like like in the, in the withdrawal from plunge so it's great to come back to this like marine horror this like aquatic horror of of a story and oh shit it's just awesome like so like this, there's a shot with the with the shark it's just it's beautifully done anyway the story's about like it's, it's set in the 1920s and they're gonna go scavenge they go find a submarine and in it it's an old german submarine so the thing is gonna be a lot of gold there which to which there's some proof that there is like some nazi gold uh, or at least from like early early germany gold giant blocks anyway this one diver that goes in there actually finds the shit and it becomes a party cool we've got what we wanted only back down there you might have seen something 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 like a mermaid and i want to leave it at that because again it wasn't until it it wasn't until yeah it wasn't yeah honestly she looks uh, fucking amazing for like it wasn't a classic like mermaid or or the type of like a super scary siren it was somewhere right in the middle it was really really well done but it wasn't until we talked to him and it's something that just it's been in the back of my mind the whole like all this whole year it's like probably one of like the good feel goods of just like of the shitty year to just kind of like go back and just like kind of ponder and just escape is that what he said is like it might not be that's why i said something like a mermaid mermaid because in the pages, even in the covers, there's no end to her. There's there's no fin at the end. Mm-hmm. And again, we're going deep in the ocean. Mm-hmm. I can oh god, I wa- I can't really imagine, but we're gonna get out the on the other side because I I just I love this dude's writing and this whole his whole tone into horror. Yeah, I I, I just it's so good and just like and again, that's <laughs> just funny. A, a po- pun intended. A polar opposite. Of Rota Bones, of being like a, a wide out scenario to just like, I just, this whole diving into like the ocean, into like, into like a true, the true depths. Like, to me, that's fucking scary. Like, you love the ocean, but you know it's fucking scary, dude, right? Like, <laughs> uh, I mean, I'm honestly not scared of the ocean, to be honest with you. It's, oh, like, God. But it's, I, know, it's I understand why other people are. Yeah. But it's, it's, not, it's not a phobia, but holy shit. It's just like, yeah. It's not something to like underestimate. It's just like holy, just like the vast shit that we don't know. Yeah, no, definitely, I'll give you that. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and, that, and that's what, that's what's cool about this one. It's it's exploring that seventy percent of our world that we that we don't fucking know about and what could be in there or out there, or just just way down there. I, I love this shit so much. Yeah, it's great. great book. Please pick it up. I really enjoy it. So, and I'm, I'm you guys know I'm not a horror fan, so. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, I really liked Road of Bones because it was a human horror. Yes. You know what I mean? Like Monster of the Week horror is not my horror, but the more human the horror is, the more I like it. That's why I like stuff like, like Your Next, yeah. you know, and it, it, even It Follows isn't like a monstrous creature. It's a person, you know, it mm-hmm. looks like a person. It's visibly a person. So, um, yeah, that's, I, that's, I, it's right up my alley. And, um, I was I wasn't sure about Sea of Sorrows when we first heard about it, but then I looked at I saw the the design, is what I'll say, and I was like, I'm in, yeah. fuck it. So, yeah, I'm excited to see where it goes. So, oh, me too. Any other uh, yeah independent books? Yeah, there's a few more. Uh, yeah. So one of each. It's my one from Image, or at least like for myself, Image. It's uh, Chip Zarsky's uh, Still Water with uh, Ramon K. Pettis. Uh, Pettis. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, shit. Like it's about the town where nobody can die, like in this, mm-hmm. this little weird place. And this dude discovers 
that it discovers it with his friend and to kind of teach him a lesson that, that there's they bury no, him alive, right? No outsiders. Yeah. Or they take their, they take their, uh, them to like the outskirts of it and they kill the friend to kind of teach them that this is it. Yeah. And, and yeah, and they're about to kill him when supposed, when his supposed mother, a citizen from this town claims like who she is. And it's like, all right, well, let's not kill him and figure this shit out. Cause apparently they, they run a really tight fucking circle <laughs> where nobody can really leave. That's which is why nobody can really uh, come in and to just really keep it the secret and to, and while they're showing him kind of what's going on, or at least to show him like the town and to get him acclimated, her punishment is like, God, they bury her alive. For, like, no, that's right. Show. She got buried. That's right. Yeah. They bury her for like two weeks um, while he's getting acclimated. And during that time, he's tried to escape twice. To which you only have three strikes. And if you try to do this shit, like, I mean, basically, when, once you get out, they really go out and get you and they shoot you. So, mm. you, um, or at least they kill you before you get out so you don't die. But on your third time, it's fine. Once you, once you cross the line, like, you're done. So, and it's also, it's also kind of like, why didn't you just wait till his, like, kind of mom kind of came out? Why did you try to escape the whole time? Um, but anyway, there's this one dude who is kind of like, like not soft on it, but it's going going easy on him, and and it's like at least uh, the proclaimed doctor of the town, to which there's no need for one anymore, right? But there there does need to be a front. He's the only the only one that kind of just gives a shit to kind of explain what's going on, and to his the best ability, it's really like a nobody can after this for a certain point, people just couldn't fucking die, and it's like in a, it's in a way where like in a gross it could be in a gross Deadpool way. He only says it that this one person got like even came back from almost like decapitation or from just their head alone. And at this moment, that's what he's explaining it. He it's he's starting to explain that it's not just them. It's just that nothing dies. Um, they're going oh. through his corn maze. He goes, he's going through his corn maze and he uh, he clicks one off and it literally starts like regenerating a, a new one. Uh, so it's it's like I want to know. I want to know what's happening because whole, the whole time. Um, they're kind of just like kind of talking under the breath or at least like going really out of their way to be able to talk because the whole time the son's just being watched by by like the cops um, just in case he tries to make a run for it again. Uh, but yeah, it's it just kind of it kind of waits out. He's he's thinking about running again when it's kind of like, OK, no, she's about to get he's just about to come out again. So I'll just wait and they get reunited and it's kind of coming. It's coming to the end of the issue when it's kind of like, all right, is this how trapped are how trapped is he here with like just being him now but his friend was actually kind of a kind of important or at least like a figurehead or just like he i guess he wrote a book or, or some shit he's at this point he's known to be missing back in the real world so oop, shit's going wrong and i can't wait for the shit to really hit the fan because there's a there's a part where like the cop that kind of got like told to be put on timeout and just to watch from a distance mm -hmm. uh he turns out that he's like the dad from one like the little shit has uh, the kids that were like playing on the rooftops um oh yeah, yeah. and so and and there's a, there's a great moment where he's kind of like the son kind of questions him but not in a way like you're a bad dad he's just like why are you doing that uh while he's why he has binoculars like what are you talking about like the the coffee like why are you drinking it since we don't really need it and at this point he does this, his own explanation where like like kind of like like hard to kill old habits like old habits are die are hard to kill which should also be um the next die hard movie title the last bruce willis die hard movie like old habits die hard <laughs> um and i don't know yes. why i haven't used it it's so stupid That's they're going with the other puns but and they haven't used that one anyway so he questions him and it's like it doesn't make sense like does that mean like like <laughs> 
he does his best, his best to explain that it's like, yeah, that where like I still do it out of habit. It just has to be there. So does that mean you were controlling Dick uh, who thought he could run the town before the day? Like referencing, I guess, like the actual day. Mm-hmm. And it's like, uh, obviously, yes. He doesn't answer. He literally just pushes his kid off the rooftop. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So, yeah, bad people in this town. Cool mystery. Like, it's a good one for Chibzarski. So, recommend that one too. Nice. Next one by Vault is Shadow Service. Yes, um, I saw it and I was like, I didn't pick up the first one. Hostway will review it for me. So, <laughs> issue, yeah, we're four issues in. It's really cool. Kavan Scott, Corbin, ha- uh, written by him, artist by Corin Howell. Colors like Triona Farrell and holy shit, and And World Design does the lettering. Uh, but damn. So at this point now we're starting to get deeper into it. We can actually start explaining, or it's like the the world starts opening it or opening up. And I think that's that's what's when kind of been building the first arc is kind of going through each of the characters from the MI six 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 crew and like kind of like where they came from and why they're like in this like supernatural scenario, supernatural scenario. And in this case, it's really focusing more on Coil, uh, uh, the the black is that's part of the team and who's really kind of like the brains of it, like in the backseat, like kind of doing the computers. But apparently he got cursed along the way where he was kind of also like super rich and kind of important and like would like just run in real estate. But he got cursed this one, this one time. And at that point he started developing this hunger for just flesh. And he kind of started becoming like, he doesn't look undead, but he just has that hunger for just nothing but like human shit. Um, meanwhile, um, we kind of come back to the story and it's, um, the main character from, from the start, she's being exercised because she got possessed in the last issue and the kid who's supposed to be really old is like, she's trying to help her. And damn, this is where I have to like, like give super credit, like super props to, uh, Corin Howell. Cause I love all of his monster designs. Like it's honestly, like this whole book looks great. Like all, like everything looks, looks super awesome, but mm-hmm. shit, he really, he really lets loose like on the, on the, on the monsters. That's I, I just I, I love the demons. <laughs> anyway, when the demons come out, it's it, it becomes a cool like oh shit dangerous scenario. But the dude, the little kid, like the or the our main character does this like cool spell where he captures the de- she captures the demon in the fly, and they're like okay well problem solved. But how? And that's when the kid is like oh shit I fucking knew it. I guess she's a knowing, and it's more like kind of like you know, magic's easy on her. She can just like do it by instinct than by like doing decades of like learning um and this kind of like bothers coil the whole time i don't know he just has like a weird jealousy of like why she's so important and the main character she just kind of makes a run for it it just they can't it's hard to get along with these people like at least like it's, a, it's not a tight circle uh but anyway then it cuts to maybe the villains this, this dude who kind of could be a precog and like by painting kind of like the dude in heroes but it's more like almost like moving paintings like, i don't know he paints the main character chick and it kind of leaves off at that and, and kind of they're kind of seeing where, where they're doing where, what they're what they're doing in the moment so it's cool I, I it's really really great art i highly recommend it for for that reason but holy shit like they definitely collect the trade because it's it's kind of one of those like big stories that vault likes to like open up with but it's really good like as for like spells and like magic and shit it's like witching stuff I, I really like the 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 idea of like why witches can be or at least like why we know witches are crazy and it's because like the more spells you do you just get this like just insomnia and i guess that's what would make anybody fucking crazy not being able to sleep especially with the shit that they know um but yeah now for my last indie book it's my honestly like one of the coolest surprises 
it's a comic adaptation of an indie horror movie called A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night. Did you ever see it? I almost picked this up, but yeah. it was like $20, the copy I found. No shit. It was a was variant, variant cover, and it was the only okay. one they had left. Oh, okay. Oh, it, it, it was gorgeous, too, but I was like... I can't do that. Like I was just like yeah. again. I spent I spent one hundred and fifteen dollars just to tell you. Yeah. And so yeah, it was just brutal. So tell me about it. I was very curious. I mean, it's it's not going to be like it's not doing like a shot for shot. It's really doing um, just a slow comic adaptation of just like kind of setting its own tone of just like kind of doing the movie in a comic form, mm-hmm. and it's just like following her around like in the city and what she does and what so, her secret is. So most of our viewers probably haven't seen it. Oh so, yeah. So kind of give us an idea of what it's about. It's I love I love how she says it. Director Anna Lily Amripour. It's an Iranian spaghetti western vampire movie. Excellent. It's, <laughs> it's, it's super dope. It's it's a black and white movie, indie film, horror movie. Uh but super dope. It, it's literally about what a woman a vampire woman would do with her powers in iran and just literally run with it as a vigilante like basically it's a vigilante and that's why that's why she's so fucking dope um and and in comic for in the in the comic it's not somebody adapting it to my to my surprise it was it's literally the it's literally her the director is writing the comic um and the art is done by michael deweese uh w-e-e-s-e uh but so and then we get into the actual pages and these are just gorgeous pages like they're not so they're not like like just the, the book is in black and white like like the movie so it's, it's cool just like still not add that color which is what bothers me about currently the walking dead deluxe but i'm talking about it later anyway <laughs> um the, um but in kind of still in a similar fashion like um Wrightson or ernie bernie Wrightson, who did a like frankenstein alive alive like classic like, artist where it's like super detailed and like and it's like how he just captures like this black and white form these are like that but it's more like they use those pages that they come out in black and they have to like sketch out the white to make the picture oh nice because it's, it's more they're way more of like like they're they're black pages so there's no way they're just inking this shit like all the way around like they start the other way around um and then they kind of and then they polish it so it's so it's in that style and, and the pages aren't in that modern smooth paper I forget, I forget the actual name it's like in that old actual it feels like actual paper like old school paper so it's a great comic to just have like to feel and have and i guess like to start of like a, of a mini to adapting a great movie mm-hmm. like definitely follow this one because if you saw that one for the variant for 20 i i too uh, started seeing that that this is flying off the shelves for being like a small book off like it's, it's a beloved movie so yeah. And not ma- and not many adaptations from movies into comics really get like this attention. So it, it, it's cool to just if you can see this, try to find it, try to get your hands on it because I think it's gonna be something special to have. Nice. After that, that wraps it up for my solo indies. Cool. All right, we'll talk about our mutual indies, and usually I close with Vault, but I want to start with Vault. Okay. Uh, Engine Ward number five. <sighs> Another awesome wraparound cover. Yes. Scorpio. Yeah. <laughs> I love getting these wraparounds. They're going to look really good in a box next to oh, each other. Too. <laughs> yeah. Um, so basically we finally meet one of the shades and uh, 
just a quick uh, primer for Engine Ward, because uh, I always like to make sure our audience knows what's going on. Engine Ward, published by Vault. Uh, this book is about a, po- a post-apocalyptic world, not Earth? Question mark? Question mark. And, <laughs> um, and uh, where these people live under the rule of a group called the Celestials, who are all named after the uh, signs of the Zodiac. Um uh, it's written by George Mann, art by Joe Eisma, colored by Michael Garland, and letter by Hassan Atsmain Elru. Uh, so, uh, in this one, uh, they, yeah, they meet one of the Shades, which are like the boogeyman that they're all supposed to be afraid of. Turns out he's a pretty chill dude. He's, he's basically <laughs> nice. an alien elf. He's an elf version, or an alien version of a fantasy elf. He's like, yeah, I live in the forest. It's cool. And it's just like, I don't hate you. And Meanwhile, Gemini is being sent after them. Dude, and, they fucking uh, suck. Yeah, they suck. They suck a lot. And uh, you find out that the Shades were a, a people who were pretty much all wiped out by a disease. There's only a few of them left, and they're all in isolation. Well, uh, one of our main characters, unfortunately, um, it has been infected by the disease. Which is sad. <laughs> so, um, th- they basically said it's not super infectious. Like the other people there aren't really necessarily in danger, uh, but that he's basically done for. Um, there's no cure. They can basically just slow it down. So, mm-hmm. in the meantime, Jim and I show up very quickly. I should add, and uh, <laughs> and attack. Uh, and so we get this awesome confrontation at the end, and. The shade dude is like, go, oh, I'll hold them off in the traditional, you know, action movie style. And they all run off. And then the shade gets taken down. And he's bleeding out. And Jim and I stand over his uh, prone body all creepily. And they're just like, you know, what are we going to do to him? Basically, we're going to do horrible things to him. It's basically what they said. So um, this book continues to be great. I really enjoy it. Um, yeah. I, the art is very human. I love it. I really like like, I love Joss a lot, so, you know, I just love her character design and stuff. Like, she's just wonderful, so. Um, yeah, what do you think? I mean, I, again, it continues to just be great on a book that, I don't know why, it would just be another book that I'd probably pass up, just because there's so many fucking new books. But from the get-go, it's just been like, I need to come back for more. I need this shit to be explained. And every time it does, mm-hmm. every time it drops a little nugget, it's like, another reason why I need to come back. And now yeah. I'm just staying. Now I'm just staying because I need to see the Celestials go fucking down. <laughs> yeah, exactly. At this point, and then um, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Vault as always is killing it. So yeah, the reveal of the shade being like yeah, like he's like super chill dude. <laughs> like <laughs> yeah. shit, like please, like and he said there's there's more out there. So like god damn it, I hope I hope this dude isn't again. Like he was not dead on the he's not dead on the page entirely. He's there's still hope for him. Yeah, exactly. So. Uh, speaking of Vault, that brings me to my second book from Vault, uh, Devil's Red Bride, issue two. Yes. Uh, quick primer on this one. It is a tale of samurai revenge told from a woman's point of view. Basically, Mulan, if Mulan was fucking badass <laughs> like, and violent as <laughs> shit. Um, if Mulan wasn't held back by Disney yeah. and they could actually tell the honest story of the horrors that happened on those times yeah. and because we know Mulan was a badass like it would be this is this is that fucking book yeah exactly so uh so written by sebastian gurner artist by john bivens colors iris monahan and letterer jo- jeff powell 
Um, so we get issue two, and this story has been bumping back and forth between two timelines. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, last issue, I really enjoyed the the time that was further back. Now I'm actually really enjoying like the future part of it, like a yeah. little bit more, I think. Also, the devil mask, too badass. Just so great. I know. <laughs> like, um, but yeah, she she's a legit badass, and uh, she scares the shit out of me, basically. So, And uh, yeah, what about you? What'd you think? It's like, there's so many books that can just make it easy to just be carnage and just be blood and just a reason why I don't really read Robert Kirkman anymore. But it's just like her badassery, just her just like, I don't know. She just, there's a code. Like we've been playing like Ghost of Tsushima, like seeing, mm-hmm. reading uh, Demon Slayer. It's like, I feel like I have, like, I have my, own, my own samurai in my head uh, at this point. There's so many, there's so much great content right now, like on this lore, like all these, all these mythos. And this is a great addition to that. Like, it's just like, she's just so fucking cool. And the more I learn about her, like the, the last page, like oh, yeah. her, when she's like, when she's like open, which is like the shirt, but just like, 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 like bonded down, bonded up, but with just a mask, that would be the scariest thing to come fucking by. And just like, <laughs> I'd be dead just standing there. I'd be, I knew I just like, I was already dead five minutes ago. Yeah. If you saw that walking towards you, you'd be like, fuck, <laughs> like what the <laughs> fuck dude. So, yeah, I really like it. The art, it's not the cleanest art in the world, but it's really what a samurai art should be. Like, if you're going to tell yes. a samurai story, this is what it should look like. So it's the perfect brutal. art for this kind of situation. And yeah, violent and brutal. So um, really good. It, my only criticism would be that it's it, I, I have a weak tolerance for hyperviolence. Like, I, I don't mm-hmm. really like a lot of hyperviolence. So it was a bit much for me at times. So I was kind of like, okay, man. <laughs> <laughs> but I enjoyed it. You know what I mean? It's just, I would, it's just kind of like a lot for me, but I know a lot of people really enjoy that stuff. So if you do, this is definitely a book for you. So yeah. Uh, anything else on that one? Uh, no, it was just like, it's, it's fucking awesome. I, it's just like, as um, I didn't know how to put it on the tweet. Cause it was just like, it was just like worded too much. So like, here I go. Yeah. And it's like the only way I can like knock it, but it's like, it's literally not its fault. I feel it's like I feel like I've been reading this book for like a while, but we're only two issues in, so it's kind of like it's not slow. It's just like there's literally not much of it right now. Yeah, I don't know why. Just like there's just it's just written really well. Where it's just like I feel like I've been reading it for a while. Yeah, exactly. Um, so yeah. Um, let's see yeah. here. Also, I should point out that I didn't get the A cover. I got a variant. Oh, okay. so yeah, I got the same variant I got last time. The like red black white close-up thing so it's really cool okay nice um next up i mean any of these three books would normally close a week and the fact they all came out this week together is insane uh my emotions were just up and down uh right let's start with die yes Uh, (laughs) published by image comics written by the man karen gillen uh drawn by the woman, Stephanie Hahn. <laughs> um, and then uh, lettering by Clayton Cowles. And uh, yeah, Stephanie does her own coloring, I believe. So um, so this book, for those who don't remember, real quick summary. It's a bunch of kids trapped in a role-play fantasy world. It's basically, remember the old Dungeons & Dragons cartoon? Imagine that. Yes. Everything sucked. So, <laughs> like, basically. Um, so we start off with Matt, our favorite grief knight. Who is also a rage knight now. 
And I love how he's approaching and uh, they, they just see Matt coming, right? And Izzy and uh, Ash are just like, oh, we're going to die. Like, they know they don't yeah, stand they eight extent. pants. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, and that says so much about Matt, which is really cool. This whole issue, and honestly, this current arc we're in, has been about parenthood. Um, it's about Ash and her son. You know, it's about... Um, it's about uh, Man, Angela and her kid. It's about Matt being, you know, with his father. And it's about Isabel, as we find out, who can't have children. Dude, I think you just hit me with another one as soon as I was turning the page. Huh? I think it's Chuck with his writing. I, I literally turned the page with, like, the, <laughs> the one-dimensional character and not being able to, like, we'll get to that part. But yeah, because he, just... yeah, that makes sense, actually. Yeah, huh the way when he just how he looks down like on him but not in that way but yeah, like, like kind of in that way because we've never seen chuck have that expression yeah like i think it's also chuck as well yeah so matt's coming at at them and it's great because ash is like oh wait i'm cleopatra and <laughs> she basically throws the whole city at him and Iz- izzy is like we're not doing that so she calls him the dreamer who puts the entire city to sleep so now they have to fight alone However, they aren't alone. Augustus is with them, and Augustus is Ash's son in this world. With Zamorna. Yes, who is currently being controlled by her voice. So, Leading a different army to kind of almost like hold, off, hold them off. Yeah, exactly. So, Or, or holding off a different front, sorry. Yeah. So um, a lot's going on with, with uh, the other half of the group. Uh, don't get me wrong, but just so our viewers know, we're probably not going to focus on Chuck and Angela too much in this description because so much <laughs> was going on in the others. Um, although I will briefly talk about Angela. She basically is hacking this thing, and she has to choose between actually doing it or and having to kill her daughter or saving her daughter, who is who is one of the fallen, by the way. She's not like even in good shape as it is, you know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, so that was a really good storyline. Um, see, we, we've catch up with Ash and Izzy outside of Saul's prison. And, um, yeah, uh, we find out that Izzy ended up sacrificing her ability to have a child, uh, for Augustus, <laughs> which I was like, Oh, that's sad. And then Dude, that's so fucked. as somebody who's never really wanted kids myself, I can relate mm-hmm. to her. Like, I never wanted to have kids. And she's like, you know, you wonder, right? You wouldn't be human if you didn't wonder. You you throw your shoulders up and down and you say like, but every now and then, you know? Yeah. 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 And I'm like, bro, I can feel that. (laughs) Like, so um, it was really sad. Matt shows up. It just really made me like, just love her character more for like where she kind of came from. Like there was Mm -hmm. those, like those, like just like, vague references like in the very beginning where what kind of uh closed-minded person she used to be yeah and then just like, just like still her like she still sacrificed a lot for her friends and just like how she's more accepting now like just like obviously that was all bullshit but like damn like this this is like such a deep cut reveal too yeah and then izzy basically matt shows up and izzy calls in all his favors or all her favors <laughs> and, so dope. and there's this <laughs> great fight scene between matt and the gods and the best part is, is they still, they're like, well, Izzy's going to die soon. And so even Izzy calling upon the power of all the gods can't stop Matt, which is just oh, so good. Because we've grown to love Matt a lot. <laughs> so that's just yes, so great. Yeah. 
And then Ash makes the fateful choice to release the hold that she has on Zamorna in order to help her son. Mm-hmm. Or at least to not have him fight and die. Yeah, because we he, he just died, yeah. So yeah. Zamorna's like, oh, and comes running, basically. Like, so good. He's a vampire. He's there in like in a fucking light speed. Like, but yeah, exactly. We're gonna, we're gonna. These panels are gonna take their time. <laughs> yeah, and then we get the big reveal that Saul, the person who brought them here, who's been referred to as the Grand Master the entire time, he's the one that's in charge of everything. He's like, I'm not the Grand Master. He's like, I never was. And you're like, oh god, who is? So I'm kind of like, well, we've seen HG Wells. You mm-hmm. know, we've seen the Brontes. Uh, yeah. who, who else would fit into this? And I can't think of anybody else they would use, but I'd love it if it was Tolkien. <laughs> like, and, and again, like right when I, right when I'm on the page too, like we're kind of following this too, and it's like the way her light, her eye lights up, and like because she has a mask, like so Cleopatra has like she has like a, a half mask like over one of her eyes, mm-hmm. and the whole time they show it, and it's like a beautiful flower over it. But in this one panel where her eye lights up around this reveal, it's kind of like the eye of Mordor because instead of showing the whole mask, it just looks like a spire. It's just mm-hmm. like a little cut of the, of the of the mask, and it it kind of looks like it. So it'd be really I, I I'm on the same boat with you. It'd be really cool. I'd love it. Yeah, but we'll see. So, <laughs> and then the best part is is Matt Matt's basically Ash is like, hey, don't kill Izzy. She doesn't deserve it. You can kill me. And then she's like, Matt, I'm so fucking sorry. I know you're angry, but your dad didn't raise a murderer. And he said he didn't. And he sees Zamorna coming in from behind. And Matt chops him down. His friends made him one. I'm like, oh, Matt is the best fucking character in comics. I don't care. Don't at me. He's the best. (laughs) It's just wonderful. And then basically, they've endangered... They've endangered uh, Earth. And... Then we get what we're... I think this is our last arc, right? The last arc of the book? Did they say that? uh, This coming arc will be the last one. And Matt reveals what it is going to be. And what better arc to end a book like Die than we're going down a fucking dungeon. (laughs) I'm so excited, guys. (laughs) Great book. Wonderful. Stephanie Hahn's art is a treasure. Like, I, I love her art so very much. Like, I can't express how much, so... But yeah, anything you want to add about Die? It just sucks that it's not even going to be as long as uh, Wictive, but uh, god damn it. It's going to be one hell of a fucking ending. Yeah. And it won't come back until April, which sucks. (laughs) Yeah. I want to do something that's killing the children next because I want to save Once in Future for Last as a little Um, (laughs) pick-me-up. Because this is a brutal, brutal series of comics to read. And, you know... We're gonna go Devil's Red Ripe or Red Bride, fucking <laughs> die, and then something is killing the children all in a row. So, um, something is killing the children once again is a story about some monsters killing a bunch of people in a small town, and a young girl named Erica Slaughter shows up and offers to kill them. Big expressive eyes, mask with teeth on it, mask that both me and Hostway have. Yes, <laughs> and uh, published by Boom Studios. Uh, written by James Tinian, art by Werther Della Dera, and I believe Mikhail Muerto is the one who does the colors. Yes. 
Yes, it is. And Nworld Design does the uh, lettering. So, forgive me, audience out there. A lot of great stuff happens in this. But to be frank, I'm just skipping halfway through this book. <laughs> <laughs> because they, all the people trapped inside the school send somebody out, and I think he's a cop, to see if there's still the danger. And the entire time, we know that they're coming. <laughs> like uh, In the last issue that we saw, we saw that uh, the Order of St. George, which is the group that Erica works for, is coming. And we saw that they had the white team with the white mask and the black teeth. The opposite of Erica. Now. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I totally want it, by the way. It'd be, I better get dirty easy. But anyways, yeah. This should be like an inverted version of the shit we have. The mask we have. Yeah, we should be able to flip it. That's a good point. <laughs> so, um, but the guy goes out there and he's like, I don't see any monsters. And then he sees one. And he's like, oh shit. And he goes to run back and he's like pounding on the door and he looks back and you just see the masks. As, oh, that gave me chills, bro. You when can I just tell it, like those silent footsteps approach. Like you don't hear them. Like they they approach like, like watching the, the strangers. Yeah. They're just ominously approaching from the shadows or you just see the white mask first oh i could already imagine it that's just one of the best shots of the week probably the best shot of the week oh man better like it's just fucking great uh and so yeah they're they've shown up and erica is with uh with uh what's her name beyond and Mm -hmm. uh all of them and they're just basically she's trying to get some more information from them and uh what happens is Erica and James, the young boy she's been hanging out with are on the front porch and the order of St. George shows up just casually walks up like, like it's no big deal, which is scary as shit. You know what I mean? Like the person that just doesn't bother hiding, like it's great. And they all show up and she's like, it's okay, John. She go, they go, it's okay. And they slash John's throat. (sighs) This fucking, book it's so good. i don't know like part two which you and of usually five mm-hmm. of five and yeah to just still just, just not open up but just like not even stop or slow down like yeah I'm the these <laughs> what the fuck are the real monsters here this is i think this is going to be my favorite arc of the book oh i know like like, like aren't, i mean currently this book and the book we're going to talk about next like they're currently on amazing arcs yeah i love the the white mask black teeth Yes. I like meeting the old dragon last time. Uh, again, we've always said it before, but I'm a sucker for lore, and we're starting getting some lore, and I'm loving it. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> yeah. But great book. Uh, probably my indie book of the week. This one? Yeah. Um, it's it's tough with the next one we're going to talk about, which is Once in a Future number 13. Yes. Uh, boom. No, Once in a Future is my favorite this week. <laughs> it took me like two seconds to remember. Okay, so... <laughs> Uh, I was gonna say. Published by Boom Studios, uh, written by Kieran Gillen. Again, uh, yeah, I know. I was, I was pulling double duty this week, guys. Uh, <laughs> drawn by Dan Mora and coloring by my favorite colorer, Tamara Bonvillain. Yeah, um, amazing cover. Uh, just, uh, just a great cover. Like Duncan uh, just looks so dope. I know, right? Uh, it's so good. So, this is the modern Arthurian legend. Uh, that we've been reading. And if you've listened to the show ever, you've heard us review this book, so I won't go too much into it. But um, I'm a sucker for Arthurian legend. 
and it, most European folklore. I'm a fucking sucker for it. I'll listen. I'll read it. Oh, it's so good. Uh, so this book is basically custom built for me. And um, <laughs> so we got Duncan and his grandmother. And Duncan, uh, basically, he defeated Grendel and Grendel's mother as well as Beowulf in the last arc. And he took on the arc of Beowulf by doing so. Well, we have a time skip. Some time has passed, basically. And the grandma's just chilling, and Duncan has Duncan has been doing his thing, and oh, I mean, he's also been doing Rose, but yeah. Um, <laughs> so nice. Duncan and Rose are dating and living together, maybe? No, no, that's right. It's date night. That's right. Um, and she she helps him by you know finding the monsters, and he goes and kills them. And yeah, she's like basically like. Uh, why are you so tired? The grand says, and <laughs> you see this awesome. And I want, I want to know all these stories. Like, oh, why aren't these individual comic books? Like, and he's like, I've been busy. And then it's like, Oh, I'm also banging that chick. Like basically he makes it painfully obvious. And like, I love that the grandma's like, should I pretend not to know that you're courting? <laughs> like, which I really like. The yes. he's courting. It's really good. They're, they're setting up the next arc. Is this also the last arc? Did you hear something about that? That I didn't hear. Okay, me neither. I, I thought you had said it, so that's good. Don't you dare! Because like, this is one of my favorite books, period, right now. So, <laughs> um, it's just so violent, but so funny. So it cuts the violence a little bit, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I totally get what you're saying. It's it. it this book is perfect. Yeah, Duncan gets a fight with a bunch of neo Nazis. <laughs> oh god! And then they basically they're beating him up in their bar. And one of them is watching the door, and you see off screen someone go, Hey, oh. And the guy goes, What the hell are you doing in that get up? He's like, I want to play a game. Will you play a game? He's like, Piss off, mate. It's New Year's, not Halloween. And this dude gets an axe buried in his forehead. They did cut- you know at this point? Yes, I did. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, the word bubbles helped, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. so- so they cut inside and you see hail again and that dude's head just goes flying and smacks somebody in the face. And he goes, cease your silliness, come to me. And then we get in trademark once in future fashion. Yes. A kick-ass last page. It seems to happen every week. <laughs> and it's the Green Knight wishes to play a game. <laughs> like, I mean, it's, it's trademark comics you want people to stay you leave a great cliffhanger yeah. every fucking issue it's like well every villain seems to be revealed at the end of the issue in the mm-hmm. the previous issue which i really like so, <laughs> um but yeah the green knight man i'm very excited about this so <sighs> do you want to elaborate a little bit or speculate a little bit on like who this character is i don't want to i really don't <laughs> <laughs> like um I love the design. I'll say that the antlers yeah, are fucking sick looking. Um, the axe is cool. I like the the breastplate uh, symbol. Mm-hmm. Like it's just it's just just cool. I mean, I think he looks cooler than Beowulf did, and I loved Beowulf's look. So oh yeah, he was all classic, just like just yeah. I don't know, just grounded. But this over armor shit is a cool step up. Yeah. One thing I liked about this book is that they um, they are starting to kind of tease the. Duncan is taking on two roles. That's going to complicate things. Right. Even like the grandma's worried about Rose on even like, don't get into it too much because yeah. all comedies and tragedies and bullshit. So it's almost like she's worried for her now. Yeah, exactly. Like, so. too. 
And Rose is determined to be a part of everything now, which is good. Yes. Because I like her a lot. I wanted her to be in oh, totally. Movie, so. All right. Uh, that's such a great book. Highly it recommend like, picking I, it up, guys. It's like we didn't highlight it enough, but like the, the opening scene with the grandma by herself talking to Duncan with the, or with talking to the magpies. <laughs> oh, yeah. You tweeted about that. I saw that. It's one of the best scenes in comics. Like, the, <laughs> or this week, one of the best scenes of all time. It was, I love how much she knows her stories and how much she just like doesn't take the story shit either. Yeah, and like, in perfect fashion, but then it's also just like, and she also was like, almost like giving the finger to the stories, but then <laughs> the stories like to clap back too, and like the way they just leave her, like, oh man, to like the one magpie, that that I got, I just, I love it when it just takes that dark turn after I just had a yeah. good laugh, you know, it's so good. Well, and what I thought was interesting is she mentions there's two versions of the rhyme, you know, for the yeah. magpies. And I'm like, like there's two versions of Duncan. Oh shit! No, that's a good one. I didn't click that one yet. That's so a good going, one. Huh. So yeah, I was like, that's really good. I just love it. Um, so glad I picked this up when it started. That I was on, oh, in on the ground floor. Absolutely. It's such a great book. So absolutely. <sighs> Any indie books besides that that you have left? Um, no, there was Seven to Eternity, but um, there's just there's so much I need to reread. Okay. <laughs> And that's like, and that's like, it's the start of the last arc, and it's just like I should just come in knowing everything because this is a, it's one of those books that just Rick Remender just not does not hold back. He's, gotcha. he, he doesn't hold your hand like with this book. You just you literally have to follow it because there's no there's no really hardly explaining of anything. Gotcha. Bond, it's crazy shit. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, we'll move on to our Marvel books, and we're gonna start with the books that I have that you don't. Spider Woman six. I picked up the B cover, which is really nice. I'm, I I dig it. Um, I think it's the Lupacino cover. Yeah, I think it is. Um, so uh, when we last left Spider Woman, she was about to go to space with Carol, and they actually go to count. Yeah. They they find Counter Earth, which was cool. Um, okay. Jessica spends the entire time pissed off and punching people. Literally the entire issue. It's great. And Carol's like, why are you so mad? Basically, that's the whole story of the issue. It's great. So um, I just got to say this book, I love the art. I don't talk about it enough. Um, I love the writing too. Carla Pacheco is great. And I think her take on Jessica Drew is just incredible. Uh, But the art by Pere Perez is just choice. Like, I don't know if he's ever done a crossover for Marvel, but his art's that good. I, I would give him a crossover. Why not? You know, like I, I really enjoy the way he designs characters and stuff. And specifically the way he draws dress Jessica, even outside of her costume, she just looks badass. Like it reminds me of how cool she is, you know? And uh, yeah, I just really enjoyed this book. Uh, it doesn't look like the whole arc is going to be her and Carol. She kind of broke off from Carol pretty early on. Uh, so Yeah. But she basically, uh, Jessica is hunting for the high revolutionary right now and has not found them. So uh, that's what's going on with that. Pretty great book. Pick it up if uh, you want to uh, check out what's going on with Jessica Drew. Uh, next book, uh, did you pick up Widowmakers? No. Okay. Oh, Wid- right. the, the, yeah. Go yeah. For it. It's, a, it's a Black Widow book, but it's starring Red Guardian and Elena Belova. Uh, stories by Devin Grayson. Pencils and inks by Michelle Bandini. Uh, inks uh, also done by Elizabeth D'Amico and colors done by Eric Arcienega. Um, I, I, I'm digging this. Uh, it opens up with Elena and she's pretty much the main character of the book. Uh, and I always liked Elena cause she's more of a human version of black, 
widow you know what i mean <laughs> right like she she curses she's got problems like she's kind of a dick but i mean that's more realistic than natasha to be honest natasha's like almost untouchable um mm-hmm. and then when red guardian shows up he very much looks like the david harbour version of red guardian <laughs> we're gonna get so i'm very happy they kind of adjusted that design Cool. Um, this is set in the MC or in, in the 616 universe though. Okay. It's not set in the MCU universe. This is not a prequel. Um, but yeah, it's really right. good. Check it out. It's great. Um, totally worth a read. Uh, if you want to learn more about, uh, those characters before you, you watch the movies, you've never read anything with them. Check it out. It's a really good way to start it off. So, all right. Did you pick up Avengers snapshot? Oh yeah. Did you read it? yeah okay so avengers snapshot has been uh, snapshot's been a series of things where it's just basically ground level stories the stuff me and husband really like they used to be done in stuff like frontline um this one is about a character uh named carrie uh it's it's just a woman who moved there moved to new york from ohio and is couch surfing with friends and stuff and um it's it's yeah multiple friends it's great i love it uh i've been there actually i've crowds couch surf for months so yeah um and she's an emt and uh basically there's a big fight with a villain and the avengers show up and stuff and she's helping assist and she meets a cute policeman and uh they're they're basically assisting in the danger and they evacuate all these people and stuff and it's very much a meet cute, which I really dig. <laughs> so, um, and they're in this emergency bunker and they're all doing their best to, you know, save people. And she's super attractive, by the way, I'm totally digging this design. Um, and she, uh, basically to calm down and keep everybody chill, they tell stories about times they've met superheroes. Cause everybody in there is from New York. Everybody's been seen the superhero, you know? So everybody's yeah. telling stories. Really great. Love it. Uh, my personal favorite and something I forgot that I loved, but I used to fucking love was <clears throat> when she met Wonder Woman, Wonder Man and Beast. So oh, yeah, there used to be a book for Beast and Wonder Man. They used to have a team up book because they were best oh. friends and it was some of the best shit ever. And they would literally bro around. It was two bros. It was so funny. And this little scene was just so much of the two of them. That and it reminded me so much of that book where it's like Simon's hitting on the girl and using really terrible lines and Beast is like, oh god, <laughs> like, and she she introduces himself themselves and she's like, wow, you guys totally made my day. She's and Wonder Man's like, we can work at making it your night. <laughs> it's just like oh it's yeah. like so fucking thirsty, dude. And the best part was, um, they, they basically she walks off and then when she's telling the story. Uh, Wonder Man asked for a number, and then when she's on the story, he's like, "So do you get her your number?" He's like, "He didn't ask." And those glowing eyes are weird, so no. Now the Beast, he might have. <laughs> he's soft, furry, and he smells better than you think. And I'm like, "Yes, Hank, get it." <laughs> like I was like, "Fuck yeah, dude." So yeah, basically the story is just these people trying to survive this emergency, and in the end, they're saved by Iron Man, and um, you know she does the right thing. But the cool thing is, is at the end. Her and the cop fall in love and they go out to dinner together. So that's cool. I really enjoyed it. It was a nice little heartwarming thing. So, right. Yeah. Anything else you want to add about it? 
Um, yeah, no, like, I, good thing they kind of ended it with like the happy ending like that because at that point it's like, god damn, they're just hitting on each other. It's way too much in this crisis, and <laughs> that part was just bugging, like, just getting to me a little too much uh, to some point. But then at the end, I was like, all right, cool. They're gonna, well, I like it because it's so common in New York that yeah. yet there's a crisis, but they're also like, eh, that's true. <laughs> like, like, yeah. Um, the one thing I will say is we don't know what snapshot this is yet, I don't think, but the preview for the next one. Mm-hmm. That is Maria Hill. Yeah. Drawn by Alex Ross. And I am here for that. So, <laughs> yeah. I'm definitely picking up whatever. If we're going to get Snapshot Shield, that would be so cool. I know, right? Like, like just from some grunt or, again, from like a, a, a person, a random person. Yeah, maybe like one of the people that sit on the helicarrier, like, uh, front, uh, like, command deck. Mm-hmm. Like the guy that played Galaga in Avengers. <laughs> <laughs> like, so. no, we wouldn't notice, but we did. <laughs> All right. And then I'm pretty sure we have the rest of these books shared. And I um, I got Venom. Did you? Oh, that's right. You did pick those up. Go for those. Yeah. Cool. Um, very quickly on the symbiote Spider-Man. This has mm-hmm. been like a kind of ongoing different art telling of elaborating the times in the eighties when Spider-Man had the symbiote suit. Um, and I've been really avoiding those because I'm not going to collect that much Spider-Man. But this one's going to be a tie-in to King and Black, so I might as well just get it and see what they could just bring from way back ago to now to make it relevant. Um, it also helps that it's written by Peter David and drawn by Greg Land. So why the fuck not? Um, it's very much like, yeah, just, it's not really going to tie much into, or at least maybe one character. There's, it could be all about one character that could make a reveal later down the line on the uh, to help him out. Uh, but yeah, in this case, like uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of characters in play. It starts with like man, there's kind of a lot of Watu this week, or kind of. But anyway, it starts with the Watu explaining who Watu is, to which he then gets abducted, and it's like, oh shit, I didn't see this coming. <laughs> I thought that part was funny. Um, he gets abducted by King the Conqueror, and he has this whole uh, motive of like, well, you know everything, but I don't have time to learn everything, so I'm just gonna absorb everything from you, so I can then take my time to learn everything. It was, it's like, now that I say it out loud, it's like, goddamn, this is why King the Conqueror just sucks sometimes. Yeah. Um, but anyway, unbeknownst to him, uh, Uatu also has this psionic powers that he just pretty much is like reverberates back into the machine. So that instead of hacking his mind, he's hacking everything that King knows from the future. So he literally starts learning stuff that really hasn't happened yet in real time. Mm. And then he gets to a point where something else starts looking back. Oh, shit. Something- like no so anyway it fries the whole ship the ship literally blows up and <laughs> and king is just left off drifting into the cosmos uh but he's got his, he's got his helmet so he's fine he's um, fine guys <laughs> um i think the, I think the thing that's like shooting at commenting at commenting out is it, probably why too because we kind of don't see him again um anyway coming back to spider-man it's spider-man when he has a symbiote suit and he has this whole like kind of mission where he has to go uh, visit Al- Alistair Smythe. Like it's pretty much like when Al- uh, the the Spider Slayer. Yeah. Uh, he's in a- after he's been defeated and he's like uh, institutionalized and he has this epiphany where he sees his dad, but it's literally something else controlling him. Anyway, it's Spider Man. He shows up because he asked for him. I think. Yeah. Um. And then reveal, reveal. There's an, uh, an apocalypse. Uh, an eclipse shows up, and yeah, these black figures show up and where they kind of look like symbiotes, but they're not. There's the yeah, like Alistair, whoever who was controlling Alistair turns into this figure called Mr. E. 
<laughs> to which even Spider-Man is kind of like, really? That's fucking stupid. Like, not Mr. Man, Major Mystery, Mr. E. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> so, but this thing, like, embraces him. Like, he's just like, oh, you, brother. And it's like, but Spider-Man, because it's like during his symbiote phase, and he was super angry, his first reaction was to punch him off. And to which, at this point, he can't again. The punch literally goes through him. And it's like, at this point, like this dude kind of figured out what it was. But there's still, there's still a weird link. He figures out that his only way when he's kind of caught off guard. Because he also, um, there's also like, these other henchmen before there's like mystery actually formed. And he figures out that he has to have this weird reaction for him to actually physically hurt him. Um, but yeah, anyway, um, Mr. Eve is going to like literally gigantifies himself and just, yeah, just make my monster grow to, and then a sword pops in out of nowhere, a black sword, it's mm. fucking black knight. He's just, it just yeah. inserts himself out of nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, with, the, with his Pegasus. So I guess he'll be helping out. And then we cut back into space and to which I guess King has just been there for a while, which I, I still think is super funny. And then a ship picks him up, and it's Rocket fucking Raccoon. <laughs> so to which I th- he's the cat. He calls himself the captain. So I think it's like when he like, was actually running it by himself. Um, there was really no other crew with him, and he's also like in the old like green getup, not necessarily like the new like the, the new suit that he's kind of been rocking. And, yeah, because yeah, it's set back in the old times. So that's the start of that. A lot of characters in play. We'll see how this kind of ties into King Black. Because yeah, there was no no mention of Noel, but you know where there was mention of Noel. And Venom 30. <laughs> and this is the conclusion uh, to Venom Beyond, the current arc. And this is the one where Matt Gargan was in the virus suit, that makeshift uh, war machine suit. And then he fucked shit up in a gate and he everybody got pushed into it. And yeah, well, the maker got sent back to his ultimate universe. and But Eddie Brock, Dylan, and Matt Gargan got transported to Earth 1510? No, 1051. Um, yeah, not the Mar- not the Ultimate Universe. So yeah, d- d- whole different place. A place where in this universe, it was pretty cool. Like, this, a lot of shit's happened in this arc. Uh, but I won't, I won't go on too much. Um, the footnotes is that basically everything up until uh, Eddie Brock got the symbiote suit, when he went to the church to not get the symbiote, but to end his life, in this universe, it did happen. And Annie, his girlfriend, was the one that donned the the the, the venom suit. And in this universe, she didn't she didn't use it for 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 bad for for evil, uh, because then she figured out that she was pregnant with Dylan. And then they she kind of like she didn't know what was going to happen with him. And it was a, it was a great moment because like she um, instead of being enemies with him, she's actually friends with Peter Parker. Mm. <laughs> it was a great awkward conversation. It was like, well, hey, if you ever if you need help in the situation, like I'm here for you. It's like Peter. Just shut up. <laughs> we're not alone. Like we we know what we're doing. Referencing to the other, the symbiote, and like it's like oh shit. Obviously, yeah, they they're gonna parent they're gonna parent Dylan together. In this universe, Dylan has the ability that's opposite to our Dylan, where he can actually bond with the symbiote. But he in this one, he created his own hive mind, and almost like infected. He did infect everybody with the symbiote, and he just got to control the whole world that way. And he and he went by Codex, so he's kind of he became his own mini Noel, to where he had that he 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 didn't he never knew that it was him, but Noel was kind in this universe was kind of branching out to him because he did have such a such a stronghold to symbiotes, and it was kind of what was kind of turning him evil anyway. 
but he never knew what what that was and in this universe it was never going to happen because all the shit that happened in our universe never clicked here to awaken Noel to with eddie brock with grendel and just yeah and have him he's coming that shit never happened over there so it, but it was always just poking at him um so yeah in this universe yeah the, the dude who's running it is a different dylan um who yeah just just runs the whole shit and but what's fucking cool is like the resistance team like annie in her like like agent venom like like suit which is really cool to, to bring that back and have her rocking it right is that she had to share the, some of the symbiote or at least like other people got to get it because peter parker has like a really cool like not spider-man suit but just in the same colors but almost in, in, in its own different agent venom way but in, yeah like i said in its colors uh there's uh a, a deadpool uh, there's deadpool as well in his own super super cool suit and again just as crazy and then the one that really threw um, Eddie Brock off was a reformed Cletus Cassidy. And because again, like he they literally just went through absolute carnage. And yeah, you don't fucking you don't fuck around with Cletus. But in this case, he really is reformed because again, none of our events actually happened here. So we actually got to have a second chance. Um anyway, uh Codex gets a hold of Matt Gargan because he also had to play a part, but it's Matt Gargan and he sucks. And they just <laughs> use him to get, to get back a, to get back a codex. Um yeah no by by the end of it like yeah dylan is able to get the there, there's a great moment where like in order in order to defeat no like uh, to sorry codex um they use or eddie since he's his symbiote our symbiote he, he his hive mind can't click with our symbiote um eddie was able to just like grab a hold of codex and just like use our symbiote to just like lock him in place and thus, Annie brings Eddie to which she's like, it was a great, this is such a great fucking arc because Dylan has never had a mom. And in this case, Annie had Dylan, but she's just been so like, oh shit, my son went evil. So seeing this, Dylan has been like, she's been very reserved. And it's been very, it's just almost been like, they're honest conversations. Like instead of like, oh, why didn't he just say this? There's honest conversations like, hey, I know you had your shit with, with him, but. I'm not him and I never had a mom either. So it's like, if you could just like almost like chill out and it's like, ah, shit, I love the Brock so much. They can just like be like so honest with each other. Um, but anyway, so in this moment, so it's cool that Eddie, Eddie's holding codex and Annie brings in Dylan and they all kind of like lock, like just like lock hands. And they have this like really cool scenario where like none of these people have got to have their family, their own functional family or their own, like their own memories. So in a way they, they combined their memories to make those real. Like Annie with her Eddie before he went evil, shared those real memories with an Eddie and and Eddie with getting to know Dylan. It's like the good moments of there. And then kind of bringing those together and having those actually be real. Like as if like both parents were there on the same, at the same time for all scenarios. It was really cool. It was really cool. So uh, that to see codex kind of like, he goes in a coma, or at least like at that point, he he can reform. Like the codex shit's kind of leaving him, and that's when he kind of drops. I was like, oh, like the voice is like it's not there anymore. Um, so yeah, they um, so instead of coming back, like all right, they say like, let's go back to the six one six. No, in order to create like real memories, or this like actually like take their time before we before we should actually go back. Eddie and Dylan actually stay there for a whole year, and at least like before it's actually like all right, we should really fuck around, like or because the whole time they're also waiting for um. Mr. Fantastic, Mr. Fantastic is actually sorry to actually make the gate to be able to go back. So they just took advantage of it. Um, so when it finally came time, Eddie offers like, "Hey, if you do want to come back," but she's like, "No, I'm I'm waiting for my Dylan to wake up. Like, I'm not fucking leaving aside." But maybe <laughs> there was a uh, there's a one part where he, where he literally shot off uh, Matt Gargan 
And it's like, besides, uh, or like when we, and when the scorpion attacked, you when attacked me, you screamed at him to get the hell away from my wife. You remember that? Oh, I'm sorry. I was just, and she kisses him. I liked it. Cause the whole time, cause they also <laughs> had their own conversation of like, Oh shit. Like I'm seeing my ex dead boyfriend, ex dead girlfriend. And, this, but they're very much alive and doing the thing that I'm doing. So, but then they have the conversation. It's like, Hey, but I'm not your Annie. So stop treating me like this. And, and God, it's just, it, it was very awkward for like, for Eddie just to want to reach out to this person. That I just would want to say sorry to, but she's her own, but this is his own person. So having this kind of come back around and be like, all right, cool. They're still like having like, at least like a constant in the multiverse, at least for Eddie to catch his own break. Happiness, like catch up happiness was really cool. So they go through the portal and they come back to prime earth. <laughs> And next week, Ten of Swords ends, and just coincide to start up uh, next month's King and Black. Because when they come back, <laughs> they can't help they can't help but notice. But there's no stars in the sky. There's it's literally just like their silhouettes, and it's like black on the page. Noel is here. It's so dope. It's so fucking cool. <laughs> Thirty issues of Johnny Cage's like reign to just like really open open up Eddie Brock and make him a fucking character instead of just like ah eh, just like that one buff asshole that was Venom and just like caused Peter Parker some really cool arcs. No, like let's make him a fucking great character and just like tell his story and just like it's, it's so cool to open up. I like, just like going into his shit, kind of want to come back, meeting that he ha- actually had a son that the symbiote was infecting his memories to hide all that shit away which is a great take on the symbiote on, on the symbiotes bringing no like waiting for Noel to come and then just like still wondering like also and then to just like add the final, final cherry on top of bringing annie back at least like a version and then just like to have these lost conversations fucking hey thank you so much johnny case like thank you so much for making venom top tier comics when it was when it was such a like b c list um comic that was just struggling to be canceled almost every other run so yeah yes <laughs> uh but yeah that's it for for those for for at least for my my, my indie marvel reads yeah so i'm making a wild guess and i'm yeah. saying that you picked up marvel voices and indigenous voices oh please absolutely <laughs> So let's start there. Uh, first thing is, what cover did you get? Oh, please. Are, are you really asking me? I got the super dope Moonstar one. Which Moonstar like the, one? The, the, there's like, you know how they've been doing like those like indigenous uh, variants? Oh, like the almost cartoon one? Yeah. Oh. For this one, there's a Moonstar one where she's just like shooting an arrow yeah. in the sky. It's really fucking cool. Did you see the Echo cover? I almost went with the Echo cover, <laughs> but it was just like ugh, Moonstar. I went with the Echo cover, <laughs> and I don't regret it. Uh, so, uh, for those who don't know, uh, the book we're talking about is published by Marvel, and uh, it is featuring basically a lot of their native characters, um, which is yes. really great. A lot of them, way more than people think there are. Um, mm-hmm. So the creative team is going to be a bit hard for us to go over. Uh, but the person that did my cover, by the way, is David Mack. Uh, so, uh, yeah, so <sighs> I loved this. I'm so happy it's an ongoing because, or not an ongoing, a mini. I mean, so like it's not one issue, it's not a one shot. Uh, because I was kind of worried it'd be like a thick one shot and everybody would get like three pages, but yeah. they did it completely different. So I really enjoy this. Um, there's a, I, I love how it opens up with like the, um, the like creative native uh uatu uh like drawing 
Yeah, that, that, that's the, that's who did the cover. Of yeah, that one I got exactly. So, um, and then he basically talks about everybody we're going to be talking about, and uh, there's a lot of them. Yes, there's Almost quite sixteen. Oh fuck yeah! Yeah, sixteen characters. Which and I love. I didn't see them right away, but like in the outer circle of that page, there's like little representations of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was like, that's really cool. I dig that. Um, so many of these are X Men. We should point that out. By the way. Yeah. <laughs> it was great. So, um, so we're gonna get a we're gonna get a series of these, and you know, each one is probably gonna focus on three to four characters. Um, I mean, honestly, with three like, and with sixteen, we can still do like push the five issues with five, and we can do like yeah. the proud stars together. You know? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking that too, and also Snowbird, Shaman, or Shaman and Talisman. Yeah. So, um, so they f- they focused on three characters this time around. Uh, the first one was Echo. I yes. love Echo. She's, she's awesome. She's super one of my great. yeah, super great. She's one of the characters I think Marvel should do way more with. Um, I know. And it was funny because I was talking to Liz's husband, and I was like, "Do you think they just really wanted to check as many boxes as possible with Echo?" Because literally the way they described her was really funny. I was just like, "Oh, I'm um, profile." <laughs> it was half Cheyenne, half Latina, deaf warrior. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like, just make her gay. No, uh, I, <laughs> I I love Echo though. She's absolutely great. I love when she was Ronin for a bit. Like, oh, it's just so cool. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, I, probably the Echo story was my favorite to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, where she goes and fights uh, well, kind of fights the Badoon. It's weird. Uh, <laughs> Loki Loki tricks her. She ends up fighting a dude and taking him out, which is pretty great. Um, she's just badass. I just love Echo. Uh, she's just really cool, and she is one of the best uh, uh, handicapped characters in comics, especially with yeah. you know Barbara Gordon walking around now. So, um, and then the second one, I was like, what character is this going to be? I, I couldn't tell from the beginning, but it ended up being Danny Moonstar. Uh, and they basically, she was sent to find a kid who is a mutant on a res and, um, it's her and Wolfsbane, which is cool seeing her Wolfsbane bomb around after we've been reading new X-Men right. and had the falling out. It was like, Oh, they're friends again. <laughs> so yeah, good shit. But basically some cops are like, Hey, that kid beat up my son. And they're just like, uh, your son's a dick. <laughs> Fuck your kid. Yeah. <laughs> basically. Uh, so that one was pretty good. Uh, I enjoyed that. And the last one was silver Fox. Which, this one was my favorite. Which, oh, really? I was going to ask you which one, but uh, what was it about this one that drew you in? Uh, the, the redemption. The, I mean, for, for one part, the redemption on the whitewashing in the, from the movie, uh, first and foremost, right. actually gives Silver Fox her right voice. They're just actually just giving that. It's like, I, I would expect this to be, I feel like, an episode. It'd be like a very quiet, low dialogue. Because I love that they still kept like their dialogue was, was an, is in their language and it was like, being translated over. But it was like that espionage, like sneaking into the camp to like figure out to uh, for like the yeah to just take it down to get the just get the the white man out of their land, you know. Uh, but along the way, just like the whole like with the brother touching and like learning like certain, certain paths and like I mean, yeah, it, it was really cool. Yeah, definitely. And like, I, I like the last part because again, like the last part was like the slight reveal. It's like with with Wolverine when like him seeing her future. That was just like really sad and almost like he knew he he knew what, what his story was going to be as well, or setting his fate. Yeah. Because she was going to like, uh, have a life with Wolverine as well. 
like that it was just so sad like them trying to do the shit together like for the betterment of the land and then just like ah oh, fuck that's still almost like he still loses yeah uh but this is really great i highly recommend everybody picking this up uh yeah the afterward is written by uh taboo and b <laughs> earl who are doing yes. uh werewolf by night and did you see the announcement at the end of it yes so look for exciting new series from Taboo and B. Earl in 2021. The Apache warrior Kushala, who was the Sorcerer Supreme and the Ghost Rider of the mid-1800s. Dude, what the fuck? Burns her yes. way into the future and brings disaster with her. I am fucking here for that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> so, so fucking dope. Like, <laughs> oh god, yes. Is she, like, is she, is she can, is it a horse? It's the 1800s. There's no cars. Oh no, it has to be. So like, you have like, a fiery a, horse. That's gonna be dope as fuck. <laughs> like, I don't know if you've ever read this. Like, uh, Craig Yost. I think it was Craig. Uh, Clayton, Clayton Craig. No, Clayton Craig. Uh, he did this. Uh, uh, Trial of Tears, Ghost Rider story. Like, it's like it was almost like a not a what if, but it was uh, alluding, a alluding a prequel to a different Ghost Rider uh, setup. Or I think that's not decimation. Maybe. Yeah. Anyway, it was like a tale of not our Johnny Blaze Ghost Rider, but it, it follows this like uh, Confederate soldier that like is like on the run from like being a traitor of his own to to the Confederates, and it's it does a great play on horror of like a Ghost Rider following them around. It's it, it's a really great great story, and this Ghost Rider was in a, in a horse and looked awesome. That's great. Yeah, I'm excited about that. So, as always, we're gonna wrap up with our X Men. Oh my god. X of Swords has three books left, guys. So after these three, yeah. Yeah, so let's dive in. X Force <laughs> number fourteen. Okay. Whereas last week there was it was kind of fun. It's less fun this week. Um so the first thing we see, and probably my favorite my my favorite happy thing this week in these books, is Magic <laughs> FFI Pog your Pog again. <laughs> And and actually wins. Actually <laughs> wins because she finds out that Pog your Pog is actually a little dude inside of a suit. <laughs> yep. How, how is that uh, that one uh, podcast doing? Do you, have they reacted to this online yet? I haven't noticed the Krakoa one. Oh shit! No, I've, I've not noticed either. <laughs> Usually, their 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 spoilers or their their posts are kind of like a little bit behind to not be too spoilery. Yeah. Uh, which I appreciate, but I, I can't wait for them to actually get to the shit. Yeah. Um. Magic uppercuts little pog your pog and beats the shit out of him, which is great. <laughs> I was like, oh, cool. This, I was like, this will be a fun episode. <laughs> and then it's just uh-huh. like all these competitions they have and how Eric Erico runs up the score, including what was so. Was sorry, it? Go for it. I was, I was so pissed at Wolverine. Like, like going through these, I went through the first half of this issue like <laughs> so fast. And then it came to a grinding halt. <laughs> but we'll, we'll get to that. But then, the, but in the meantime, this first half, I was like, I was just so fucking pissed at Wolverine. Like, yeah. dude, you're losing this shit on purpose for fucking Earth. Like, are you serious? Like, fucking man up, get on that fucking runway and fucking catwalk. I can't believe we. And in the end, <laughs> we didn't really lose it because of that reason. But he could have probably helped in the end. Who'd have thought that rocket was actually fashionably awesome on the catwalk? So on the runway. So I guess so. But the other one, dude. Get on the fucking dance floor and dance for Krakoa. Y'all dance every night. You can't party w- one time in the name for Krakoa. Fuck you, Wolverine. God, could have used that point. Okay, so, um, yeah, as you said, there's several competitions. Uh, one is a torture competition. I'm guessing who can sustain torture the best. 
Yeah. Or maybe escape prison. I don't know. Um, there's a there's a rolling a boulder up a hill, which is not fair because Poggy Pog's in it. Um, I love I love uh, magic who's running down the hill. <laughs> um, there looks to be like a swimming competition, which Iska is in, so of course she won it. Um, there was an eating competition, a bunch of disgusting stuff, which uh, Erica won. There's a dance competition. Which, once again, Wolverine is not dancing. Uh, we won the eating contest. Oh, that's right. No, we didn't. It's, we got to point up after the... In the, like, description, the swimming in, one? in the description later, it says the tree dude won. It was the one that won it. I think the, it says the tree... Okay, but look at the points. Like, from I, the swimming I, one to this one. And the other one? That is, that is the other one. We'll have, to, we'll have to look into that. That's weird. Because in the description, it says, like, yeah, but we'll get to that. Uh, dancing competition where Wolverine's, again, just standing there. Once again, Asshole. throwing it, um, and then we there's like an Escher painting competition where they got to find their way around. <laughs> Once again, Pog your Pog is the worst person for that competition. He's so big. <laughs> then it's them putting together a giant puzzle, and I think this is a big picture of the X Men because there's Colossus. Oh, I see a Prod Star. Yeah, yeah. I, I think this is literally just like a, an X Men cover that they turned into a puzzle so that's nice and meta and magic and gorgon are the two working on that and that's interesting and then yeah then there's walk the catwalk where wolverine is just not trying storm is rocking (laughs) it though and in the background death looks or not death war looks really pissed to be there by the way (laughs) so and then i I imagine this one's like a treasure hunt on another planet was, or something. Yeah, it, it, cable and magic. <laughs> I want more cable and magic teaming up. That would be yeah, great. That would give them a team up book. So basically long story short, everything is going against the X-Men. Uh, and, yeah. and it's all Saturnine. They're setting it up and everything. And then we go to Brian Braddock versus, uh, was it red root? Yeah. Yeah. Red the race root. and the race in uh, the crooked market. And I absolutely love Jim Jaspers. Like he's such a great character, so I was very excited about that. He was creepy in this one. He's always creepy, dude. It's so good. Read old school Excalibur. He pops up a lot. It's great. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um and then so Red Root accidentally destroys the thing. And um <laughs> <laughs> I love the the uh you won and he's like, I won? I've never won anything before. <laughs> like, and then he, uh, basically Jim Jasters reveals that because Red Root destroyed this priceless thing, he basically is captive now, or she's captive, I should say, uh, in yeah. little things. So it's just kind of like, oh, this is dark. And then Brian destroyed so much more. And then we're left in kind of a little little uh, tidbit right there where Saturnine's like, basically you're fucked unless you ask for my help. And then we cut away. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, huh, that's interesting. Uh, we have the eating contest. It says right here, Red Root won this battle handily. What? Yeah. That, that point's weird. Yeah. So, um, and then, oh, this page was brutal. Um, <laughs> two competitions <laughs> running side by side. Magic. Okay. This is literally the funniest thing in the but book they, and the oh saddest thing in the book side by side. <laughs> oh i know right <laughs> i didn't want to go back and forth i was like you know what let me go one at a time bit. yep i did yeah. one row and then the next so magic is basically in a spelling bee 
and they give they she has to magic or she has to spell they say uh, please spell your answer a white rabbit pulled out of a black top hat and a spell cast by a wizard in the very force of saturnine what am i she's like oh that's an easy one magic it's spelled m-a-g-i-k <laughs> like god damn it iliana <laughs> god <laughs> And then everything is on the line here, guys. Literally, side by side with that is the white sword and Wolverine looking into mirrors, and it says, "You will observe the faces of all you have killed. The first to look away loses." And Wolverine starts crying, and I'm like, "Jesus Christ, dude! <laughs> like, what the- those two things being side by side are ridiculous." Yeah, and no, then- no, this, this is a good one. And then there's uh, <laughs> there's there's. <laughs> there's some sirens this pisses me off because we'll talk about it in a few issues but uh there's some there's some sirens they have to resist the call and gorgon loses immediately and is gonna go try to fuck a rock um get it because he turns people into rock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's great he's a great character i hope he sticks around so <laughs> um and then they have a competition of who kills the kitten first and war is like i'll kill that kitten basically <laughs> like, you wouldn't <laughs> And then we got the really cool death versus storm thing. Yeah, the, yeah, the, here a grinding halt because the infomercial, the, the info page to fucking blights will mm-hmm. the fucking sweet sweet nectar that Wolverine and uh, Storm had to compete over to to both either either win. Yeah, I stopped reading right here. Like I, I went slow. So Storm lost her powers because of that. And now she has to fight death hand-to-hand without her powers. And we, me and Josue were talking about, you know, we're kind of shipping those two a little bit. So yeah. I was kind of like, I hope this doesn't go bad. And they have the fight. And Death's sword is really big. Uh, he has a Kopesh, a uh, traditional mm-hmm. Egyptian sword. And she has the Wakandan one, which is actually more of a dagger than a sword. Yeah. Which kind of makes sense with her because she's a thief, you know. And uh, he's basically like, you know, you're sick. You lost your powers. Death will be a welcome kiss. And let me make something perfectly clear. My powers are, are not what mean powerful. She breaks his sword. And he's like, you know what? Fuck this. I'm going to use my death face. And she fucking reflects it with the Wakanda blade. <laughs> Hits him in the face. And then she stabs him. And she's like, well, he's bleeding, isn't he? Have a taste. And then all the vampires come to eat it. And then it was so po- awesome. point to Krakoa. So at that point, the score is 17 to 6. That's still fucked, but this, <laughs> this, honestly, this was one of the ones I was waiting for to happen and then waiting for the outcome. Like, yeah. I was taking every panel slowly just to avoid the di- the, the different outcome, the different scenario we're, we would have gotten. Because yeah. that, that was my one. That was my one I was really scared for. Like, yeah. from the very beginning, was like, I don't want her to die. I got I mean, of course, Doug, either. Like, neither. But Storm was the other one. I just, I don't want to see her go. Like, please. Yeah. Like, she's never died. Don't let her know. And this was such a brutal fight. But her, my powers are gone. But they don't, that's not what fucking makes me Storm. Like, Aurora Monroe, I'm still going to kick your fucking ass. And, <laughs> God. I mean, she did fight Kalisto for control of the Warlocks, Morlocks. Shit, and it was yeah. a sword fight without her without her powers. Uh huh. She has a history. Uh, and this, just so you guys know, written by Benjamin Percy and Gary Dugan, who are a great team, by the way. Uh, mm-hmm. Joshua Kassara drew, and Girl EFX was the colorist. Now we move on to Hellions. Now 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> I was so pissed. I was like, I feel like that is just like, man, we have to literally cut away to Hellions to where we were with Hellions number five. And now I don't you feel want that. <laughs> because and it was incredible. Like, oh, it was such a great issue. <laughs> okay. So Hellions, written by Zeb Wells, uh, drawn by Carmen Canero, and colored by David Curiel. Um, so the Hellions have been sent basically behind the scenes to try to steal the swords from Erico. And the funny part was, you were like, I don't know how this is supposed to work. The tournament's already started. Like a week ago, you were literally like, the tournament's already started. I don't know how they're supposed to steal the swords. They address it in this book, and it's great. So we joined them mid competition or mid uh, mid travel. Havoc is missing an eye. Because it was a toll. <laughs> toll across a bridge. Um, Grey Crow is still under control. <laughs> Of Empath, who is getting... Empath is getting so much better, by the way. Um, and then, like, like right here was, like, when Nanny tried to get him to drop the control. She's like, if you had your fun manual, leave that man's mind alone. She's like, if I stop now, I'll cut my head off, but thanks for the advice, <laughs> giant egg. <laughs> like, I was just like... He has no tact at all. I love it. Um, and basically, they run into what is the... Basically, the Aracoan equivalent of Mr. Sinister, is what I gather. He's a yeah. dude who makes mutants and takes their DNA. And of course, this Sinister is just like, wait, you have mutant DNA? <laughs> like, so Sinister reveals. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so funny. Uh, they basically said, like, basically this dude tells him, like, hey, that, that's, that's through the gate you just came through. And also, the competition's already started. What are you talking about? And they're like, what the hell? You said you know where you're going, Sinister? And he's just like, Oh, I don't know. You know, he's trying to play dumb and stuff. <laughs> and then, um, <laughs> Great Crow being empath's friend is the best. Uh, and he's like, "You just said we had to cross that bridge. No price was too paid a high. What the hell are you thinking?" And then the other dude reads his mind. And he's like, "Oh, he came here to steal all the tr- genes of all the mutants here." He's like, "Son <laughs> of a bitch!" Basically, <laughs> like they're really mad at Sinister, and he's like, "Well, you know." since you have mutants can i see them and he summons his mutants and uh jesus okay they're, they're crazy they're crazy looking but one is a giant blob and his name is amino fetus so yeah it's gross looking so yeah um and sinish is like "Ooh, i'm gonna get all their dna and those are like can we get the fuck out of here basically <laughs> like and um it immediately Nanny gets trashed by a blast and killed. I bet, I bet you're happy. Honestly, she's she was starting to grow on me too. That's the thing. <laughs> it was when she threatens uh, threatens Sinister's life after the last mission. Mm-hmm. I was like, I kind of like this character now. I still don't like Orphan Maker for the record. So, um, but as soon as that happens, Empath is like, "Fuck that!" and runs away because he's Empath. Um, but in doing so, he fucked up. Yeah, yeah. So basically, yeah, with Grey Crow. <laughs> yeah, basically, his uh, he runs away. So they have a fight, and um, it goes badly, is what we'll say. So, um, yeah, uh, a lot of people die. Uh, Havoc loses both of his hands, so he's missing three body parts now. <laughs> and I, you know, yeah, <laughs> that's just that's a shit life. Um, <laughs> and then, and then you got Wild Child and uh, Quanin, Psylocke, fighting. Aww. And then you see Orphan Maker literally get pulled apart by the fetus dude, who tries to eat him. 
And then that gives them a chance to get away. And Sinister's like, oh, I got all the DNA. Here, take this back to Krakoa. She's like, what the fuck's wrong with you, basically? Like, And um, he's like, just go. And so um, because Grey Crow and Havoc are both injured, they're not going to be able to run full speed. And she basically tells Wildchild, we need time. He was like, I'll do good. Watch me. Oh yeah. And then he he basically just attacks to slow them down and he just gets slaughtered. And I'm like I love Wild Child. He's he's like an old school character I really enjoy, so that made me very sad. Going back to the Age of Apocalypse. Really, yeah, I was really loving like their whole relationship with, with uh the Psylocke and just like that whole like almost like a pet relationship, but uh, because of how we got there, how when she just like that that punch that that sonic punch to like like blade to the to the head that was super cool to just tame him yeah and yeah it was really sad this scene was really sad and then the sinister that's with him because keep in mind there's like a billion mr sinisters he's cloned himself uh gets taken out as well so here's the thing everybody that died there can't be brought back by the rules that we know right and honestly i don't really care about orphan maker or nanny as much but mm-hmm. but wild child, that's not cool. I don't like that at all. That was a uh, yeah, that was a sad loss. So, but the others make it back to the court of King Jamie, and they're like, okay, we just need to get back to Krakoa. And the people there are like, no, you're going to the dungeon, basically. And then Impact's <laughs> like, no, I got this, guys, don't worry, because he he ran through first, and he's like, oh, I stopped them. And then there's where he <laughs> made his mistake because by doing that. Great Crow's like, Manuel, you did it. You're a genius. He's like, oh, yeah, buddy. Good to see you, too. He's like, yeah, had to do some terrible, terrible things to get here. Not terrible for me, of course. He's like, you're weak. Must be starving. Hold those guards. It's taking a lot of you. He's like, how can you tell? And he, <laughs> he fucking guts him. Great Crow guts Empath. So it's the second time he's killed Empath, for the record. <laughs> and he's like, cut him down the, down the stomach. He's like, I know that hurts, but you better stay awake. You die here. Your brain gets scrambled up for good. You hear me? Pick up your guts and get get going. Crawl, bitch. <laughs> and so, so literally, he has to crawl across the throne room, which is great. The others come through, and they just make it through. And then there's a bunch of smoke, and then the real sinister, or well, the sinister on this side, yeah, shows up and kills all three of them. And then, as he finishes. He takes the you know the DNA the other sinister gathered, and empath crawls through. And he's like, "What are you doing?" And sinister being insane, say you didn't happen to see my cape back there, did you? <laughs> like, and empath dies on Krakoa, so he can come back. So <laughs> that's good. Yeah. And then sinister feigns that, "Oh no, someone killed my hellions." So, yeah. yeah. I fucking knew it was uh, the clone that went with them because like we were gonna end up liking him, and just like I thought I was gonna come come back and just like kind of bite the real one in the ass but shit it was sad to see all, all these people go yeah especially wild child yeah that was really sad so which takes us to our last issue cable number six. Oh shit okay so cable oh, written by gary dugan artist by phil or Robert phil noto uh who also does the coloring as well um so we go back to the tournament and um we see kind of the aftermath. We see Sinister before the council being like being himself. He stopped to get his cape <laughs> before showing up. And basically he's just like, you know, he's basically no one's coming back basically. And we need to destroy the gate. And Charles is like, that's not an option. And Kirkko is like, bitch, it's not an option. So, uh, 
I, I loved his jab at the Marauders. The, the, that was so great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so then we get another actual fight, which is Cable against Bay the Blood Moon, the the uh, the the newlywed. <laughs> yeah. And um, we actually got another sword fight, which was cool. <laughs> like, who would think this would be the like third sword fight in the entire series? Um, <laughs> And they're fighting, and he's like, she's good, but she's not as good as me. And he knocks her down, and he's about to kill her, and then he's like, um, basically, I'll chop her, I'll chop her, and then I'll step so Doug doesn't see her die. Which I was like, oh, Cable. I'm like, sweet, because he's been kind of a dick lately, you know what I mean? Like, So I'm kind of happy to see that. And then he hesitates, and he loses the fight. Uh, Bay tackles him and breaks his arm. And she's about to kill him, and then uh, Doug is like, hey, don't kill him. He's beat. And then Saturnine's like, you know what? Fine. Point made. Point Araco. So score is 18 to 6. And Cable's talking to Gene and, and Scott using telepathy. And they're just talking to him. And I love that he said, uh, who hurt you? It's like, I forgot her name. It was Doug's large wife. And then the fucking, the fucking <laughs> panel of Gene's face made me laugh so hard. Because she's like, the fuck? <laughs> like, I love that so much. It's so great. <laughs> and then I love that he said, could you tell Esme and the girls that I, and then Saturnine cuts it off. And it's like, aw. Uh, and, then, and then, okay, this might be the most emotional moment of this series for me. Oh, yeah. The score is 18 to 6. Krakoa is losing yeah. bad. The fight is going to be Gorgon versus the White Sword to the death. White Sword says, "Yeah, he says you will face me after you make it through my swords, all one hundred of them." Number one, and the guy runs out. Gorgon cuts him down. Two and three, two guys run out. Gorgon cuts him down. So dope. Bravo. Four, five, six. Cable cries, "This isn't fair." War says, "Nothing is fair, boy." Cuts him down. Cuts him down. Cuts him down. Because Gorgon's great. One of them gets on top of Gorgon, pokes his eyes out. And he still kills him, so he's blind now. And then uh, White Sword says, excellent. Send them all. And you see this army coming at Gorgon, who doesn't have eyes. So can't see anything. He's on his knees. He stands up. They charge him, and he just starts slashing. And it all happens like off-screen until the very last shot, where they're just basically tearing him apart. And <laughs> Saturday says, by my count, Gorgon has slain 13 of the White Sword's champions, given giving Krakoa a narrow lead of 19 to 18. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> Gorgon, sa- Gorgon saves humanity, basically. Yeah. <laughs> Who would have seen that coming? And then uh, White Sword is like, or he's like, finish him off. And um, basically White Sword is like, in a moment I'll be over. When it's done, I'll restore you and you will serve me. Mm-hmm. And Gorgon, never. I walk my own path. He's like, I could impose my will. He's like, not over me. <laughs> yes. and then just get stabbed straight through the chest so be it and Apocalypse says it best that is how a mutant dies children and I'm like did Gorgon just become my favorite character <laughs> like, like it was yeah. so good like oh god I got really emotional it was so dope and then, and then so that brings it to a tie 19-19 and then Saturnine's like we'll review the next contest we shall and then Genesis speaks up. There's no need for your theatrics, which we know what comes next. And it's going to be Apocalypse versus Genesis. <sighs> we know there's only, what, 
two issues left? Three issues? Three issues, yeah. Uh, dude, I'm, I don't know if I could take it. <laughs> I will say, I I, I will say, I'm very glad. Even though I'm going to be traveling to my parents' house for Thanksgiving weekend, I will be able to pick up my comics before I go because, man. Oh yeah, you're gonna need the ending. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, excellent, excellent week of comics. One of the best weeks in a long time. Um, I'm very excited. So. I want to just go back to to that one contest Um, like even on the battle log the contest of plays Red Ridge of the Forest versus Cable, Captain Avalon, and Cypher it still says to Krakoa I know I think it was just a mistake probably yeah so Um, so that's everything I got do you have anything else you read anything else you want to go over Uh, no I I close off my weeks with uh, Tennisaurs as well it's just it's so fucking good yeah alright well thank you so much for joining us on We Have Issues uh Next week, we will have a special issue episode for you because it is Thanksgiving. And we normally record on Thursdays and we want to enjoy it and spend it with our families. And so we're going to record an episode ahead of time. Unfortunately, that means we probably won't be reviewing the books next week. So expect a pretty long episode the next week where I'm going to impose a strict time limit on reviews <laughs> so we don't go too long. Um, however, uh, yeah, expect that episode. Maybe we'll have a guest star. I don't know. We'll see. I'm still working some things out. Uh, but yeah, thank you so much for joining us. As always, you can check us out at geek-network.com. Uh, on Twitter, we are at GN Podcast for the channel. For this show, it's WHI Podcast. For myself, it's uh, GN Podcast Keith with an S. And Liz, who should be back soon, probably next week, GN Podcast Liz. Uh, for Hostway, he's always at Hostway Reads Hostway. Uh, so once again, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and you know what? <laughs> I just got to toot our little horn here. Um, last week, I reviewed the uh, the new Dungeons & Dragons comic book, which was co-written by former pro wrestler AJ Lee, who graciously, graciously retweeted my tweet. Woo! And uh, as of right now, that tweet has 101 likes and 18 retweets. So Fuck yeah, that's big for us listeners. Like, that's that's huge awesome. for us. So, uh, thank you so much for that, everybody. Uh, you know, send her some love. She's a really great person. Read the comic; it's great, and go back and read the Glow comic. She wrote that as well. It's really, really good. She co-wrote it with Amy Garcia, I should say. Uh, so, yeah. But thank you so much for joining us. And as always, I know this comes out on a Monday, so have a happy, healthy, and if you're in the U.S., a turkey week. And we'll see you next Monday. This has been a Geek Network production.